0: Before we begin, a reminder that nothing on this podcast is intended as a statement of faith, doctrine, or fellowship, and this podcast is not affiliated with any church, school, or calling body. What's up, gents? My name is Charlie Ungemach, and you are listening to an episode of the GERDUP Up broadcast. Now, the dudes are going to join me in just a minute, and we got a lot of great content coming your way. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you to all those who help support the Gird Up project here. All of our content at Gird Up is available free to anyone anywhere in the world who might benefit from our message, and we want to keep it that way. But we also have to rely then upon the contributions of our listeners to do so. You'll never see any paywalls or exclusive content here at Gird Up. That being said, it does cost us money to put a show like this together. So if you find what we're doing here valuable and you enjoy the broadcast and you're willing and able to do so, please go to www.girdupministries.com, click on the menu and select buy us a cup of coffee. That $5 donation goes a long way towards keeping this podcast going and helps us reach and minister to many more men just like you. Hope you enjoy the broadcast today. Let's get to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've nev- yeah. you lived in New Orleans for two years it's and you've never had pickles. It's the same a thing beer? as like doing hollows. No. 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 Never have seen that before. No. No.
2: Same concept. I don't like pickles by themselves, but in a beer, they're halfway decent. Well, well interesting. When you, so love the love
0: science it. behind it is the beer's bitter, so you add salt to it, it makes it sweet. Yeah. Okay. So you take a, a beer like that, like a German light lager or something like that, and you add a pickle to it. And then it'll uh, sweeten up the beer, and it makes it a lot more drinkable. Yeah, don't put a pickle in any other beer. You see, guys do it in a light lager. Yeah. Not necessarily like a light beer, maybe, though. Just... Okay, generally a lager, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. people have done it in, like, Northeast and stuff, and I thought it was nuts, and I love Northeast, mm-hmm. and, and I don't understand it's why you'd want to change vibe. it. But it's not the worst thing. No, one of the things either. that terrified pickle me. pickle in there isn't terrible.
3: Someone put one in a fire brick.
0: Yeah, freaked I, I me can't out. imagine that. Why? Why would I
3: don't know? Well, no. Yeah. And then check this out. I remember one time we had a big wave for one of the mm. shindigs that we threw, mm-hmm. and people were throwing pickles in their big wave. Yeah. That's a that's, that's a pineapple ale. ale. Yeah. That's an ale, man. Like, oh my goodness, it you tastes know so weird. So dill. <laughs> <laughs> All that's right, a, that's
0: a combo. Welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach. I'm the founder, curator, and kind of the host. I guess we can call ourselves that. <laughs> oh. uh, with me tonight, I've got. Connor kind of her And Gustav Wines And for the first time ever, Mr. Jesse Childress. What's up, Jesse?
1: Uh, nothing much, brother. How are you? Uh, living
0: the dream. Jesse, Zach, what do you want us to call us? you? Actually, I, I guess. go <laughs> by
1: Zach would be great for me. Zach. Okay, Zach. good.
0: So first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself. Elevator speech, who are you? What are you doing here? Elevator speech.
1: Okay, so born and raised in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, born and raised in a Baptist denomination. Um, pretty fundamentalist type sect. Uh, I don't know how to encapsulate this very quickly, but let me just try to summarize as fast as I can. Um, I don't know. About to the age of 18, started to study a lot into our doctrines. Um, became really dissatisfied with the doctrine of King James Onlyism. The King James is the only Bible type thing. Encountered a, a book on that issue by a Reformed theologian. Kind of started reading um a lot more works by him ended up kind of moving into uh, a non-confessional reform denomination once i got there i encountered a lot of church history i started reading the fathers felt really disconnected from that faith started looking into other traditions somehow encountered luther at marburg he convinced me first on the lord's supper then on baptism then i finally somehow got around to the book of concord and thought well i think i'm lutheran and moved into that (laughs) tradition so um, ended up moving into an LCMS church for about three years at the age of 24. Um, that church ended up closing down and the only close church in my area within about an hour drive was a Welsh church. Got there, uh, my pastor apparently saw some, you know, uh, I don't know, potential to be a pastor, so he brought up the issue of the second career program. Um, Once he brought that up it brought me to visit here in New Ulm to visit the school for ministry and that's how I ended up in MLC. So yeah that's my theological journey in either case. Yeah it's (laughs) and that's a
0: a heck of a journey too. Um, So first question is uh, at the age not many people at the age of 18 are reading theological books. Okay. So what brought that on?
1: Uh, Well so probably around the age of 14 or 15 I felt the call to preach, which pretty much just means you saw a preacher you thought was really cool and you said, I want to be that guy. <laughs> um, so you pretty much come out as like a, a preacher boy. I don't know. It's just, it's a lot different like than our said, tradition. you said, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is like that. You say, I feel the call to preach. And what they do I is was they born this way. I'm a they, preacher. <laughs> well, they start throwing you in the pulpit right right off the bat. It's like, it's, oh. it's not like our tradition where you got to get oh, all wow. this training first. They get you just mm-hmm. up there and you're just going to learn the ropes. So I started getting up there and preaching and I started figuring out really quickly that it's hard to, you know, to, to, to have the gift of gab if you don't know what you're talking Talking about. So that got me like reading the Bible. Then I started encountering people, you know, in other faiths. Um, so that just got me to start studying in, in a way that was defending my faith. And that's just kind of what you know got me into reading theology. Um, and in the beginning, it was always through the lens of my tradition and trying to defend it. And once I started getting some uh, uh, some backlash from that and started finding out that there were some things that didn't really make much sense, I began to question, and it just led to a, a deep dive into a lot of theology and history.
0: Now, you're not the first guy I've met who basically said, I Did a whole bunch of reading, and I kind of stumbled across Luther and went, I agree with this guy. Yeah. Um, But you want to talk a little bit about that, too, that... Uh, like what about Luther's teaching specifically made you say like, "Hey, I think I'm Lutheran"?
1: Well, the fact that what he was saying on the Lord's Supper matched the same thing that I was reading in the Fathers when it came to the issue of real, real presence. Because what did Luther do at Marburg? He said, "This is my body." That was the absolute emphasis. That was in keeping with what I saw in the early church, and that was right there plainly in the text of Scripture. And so once I encountered that, it was hard for me to like really push back on that argument. I was like, he's got the historical argument down because the church is on his side. He's got the scriptural argument down because the plain words mean what they say. And once, you know, I just found that he was trying <clears throat> to dishonor what the scripture said, whether it made sense or not. I really don't know how else to put it. I thought, wow, this is a a, a a way of doing sola scriptura that I haven't seen before. And I just became very, I don't know, enamored with him. And so when I began to read his further arguments, intellect baptism and stuff, I just found that same unity with what the church had said before um, and to what the scripture said themselves. And I just think that he ultimately puts... uh a scripture at a place that no other evangelical or uh, uh anyone that would fall under that title uh does in in, in this day and age so
4: Oof. yeah that's a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
1: all right. Well, Makes okay. you
4: feel a little incompetent <laughs> sometimes, doesn't he? No, not at all. You're killing it,
0: by the way. He said, yeah. right before we started recording, you are like, oh, it's my first ever podcast. So tell me if I'm doing anything right. <laughs> You're doing everything right right now. So. Fair enough. Don't be overconfident, though. You're doing everything right right now. All right. Now, my other question is when you, like, so how long were you a part of the Lutheran Church, like LCMS or Wells, before you started studying to be a pastor?
1: Oh, oh so uh, I ended up joining my LCMS, or I'm sorry, in my Wells Church. In 2019, I believe it was uh, okay. three days after, or I'm sorry, the next week after uh, Easter Sunday. So uh, not very long. Uh, so I guess what is it? 2022? No, 2021 when I visited. 2022 in January when I ended up coming here to school. So wasn't in way too long. He just knew through our uh, uh, Bible information class that I had a lot of interest in theology and I had a lot of questions. And uh, he thought I had a really uh, good ability to articulate some things about it. And he thought that, you know, since I wasn't too satisfied with what I was doing, um, just driving a forklift in a warehouse, that maybe I would be interested. <laughs> no, and it. they're pushing that second career stuff. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's what I was about to ask, too, is what were you doing before this? Was oh, well, I
1: mean, it's a mismatch It's eclectic. When I say second career, I didn't have one career moving to another. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, military for six years full-time. Then I ended up uh, uh, trying to go to college before. I was trying to be a pastor back when I was a Baptist. Then even when I was Reformed, I started doing some theological classes online through Liberty University and things like that. But I just uh, think I was just lazy, and I just did not like (laughs) school at all. So I just bombed, absolutely bombed every time that I tried to do school before. So I pretty much gave that up, and then I had some moral failings. I guess you could say when I was younger, I've mentioned my previous marriage to you. Um, not to get too personal here on the podcast, but there, you're welcome there to as personal as you tarot. want or don't. Well, want. I it's was to married. You. I I am divorced, um, and there were a lot of issues involved with that, which my pastor and the school are fully aware of. Um, but uh, God giving me that second chance through the wheels was just something that I, I was uh, amazed by, and I just took that second chance when I came. you me just You just make
0: you want me. to give you a giant hug. Okay, no, no Like, that's all, I, that's all I want to do right now, just wrap you up with a big old hug and be like, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, you're, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I,
2: I remember when uh, we first met you, because I remember hearing about you on campus from a couple of people, and I texted Charlie right
0: away, and I was like, hey, so there's another old guy on campus. <laughs> you want to go
2: get a beer with him somewhere? Oh, <laughs>
0: yep. and I can't imagine coming right into the freshman guy's dorm, too. Oh, yeah, that was uh, – I. Yeah, very rough yeah. 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 some 33 I remember seeing you walking around that
3: first time you came out. And, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of strange. And, yeah, it,
0: it I was a, so. It was a fairly mild winter last year, too, but it was cold. So you went straight from South I Carolina. I have to, never been
1: to a car that had everything frozen in it before. I've never been outside to where literally my snot is freezing to, freezing to my face. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been an experience, man. But I'm actually growing pretty used to it. Now I'm wearing T-shirts on 23-degree days. You've got, like, yeah. you, yeah. you got like five yeah. layers on you right now. You know you're <laughs> okay. It's cold tonight. <laughs> Next level is when you start
0: to register pain before you register cold. So mm-hmm. it'll be a really cold day, and you'll be walking around outside, and you'll be like, Man, like all my extremities hurt. I wonder why. And you go, oh, Maybe I'm cold. Yeah. And that's then a couple minutes after out. that, yeah. you go, Okay, yes, I am cold. That's why my extremities Honestly, hurt. Honestly, I can't so. remember
3: the last time that I was like really concerned to have my feet cold. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think that's one of the things growing up for me in Montana. I was like, I remember going to a football game. It was like, 10 degrees outside, and I was just wearing my boots, like, pair of jeans. Didn't have any wool socks on or anything. And, oh, my goodness, 10 minutes later, I was in the bathroom stuffing toilet paper in my shoes. Right. It was... It was gross. I can mm-hmm. count
0: on one hand the number of times I've worn my winter coat this year. Mm-hmm. And we've had at least 20 days where we never got above 10 degrees. Mm-hmm. And I still have only worn my coat for Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> you, get, you, yeah. Just get, you get so used to yeah, it. I you get used to it. You start wearing, wearing layers. Well, you, yeah, I did too. <laughs> <longer>. <laughs> Mine stays <laughs> in my car so that if I'm driving around and I get stuck somewhere, you mm-hmm. then I have you know, so my winter boots and That's my right, coat Yeah. I was thinking to myself walking out, I was like, well, I'm
3: wearing shorts right now. Maybe I'll put my winter coat on and... That'll like counterbalance it a little bit, and I was like, "Nah, I'll just put on my overcoat.
0: Like Still no. wear the shorts." I did laugh a little bit when you got out of your car; you were wearing shorts. It was like, "Yeah, hey, all right." I tell people, it's like, "It must be nice to be young." I tell people, it's like an ice bath, except you don't you don't, you don't get wet. You don't get wet. Actually, yeah. this leads really well into my first thank you. So uh, let's just jump into thank yous. Uh, my thank you goes out to Minnesota for making ev- for making me appreciate how. Um, Let me see how precious the gift of life is, because every time I've stepped out the door for the last two weeks, I feel like my life is on the line, whether it's slipping on the ice or uh, driving my car into a snowbank or whatever it might be. You're always like three seconds away from death. Um, So thank you, Minnesota, for making me appreciate my life a little bit more.
4: Okay.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, my thank you today goes out to my girlfriend, uh, Michelle. I think uh, we're
0: like three for three on this. So I, know, three I know. I she so. listen to the podcast? She does not listen to the okay, podcast. Oh, my stop gosh. If, stop stop no, saying No, this, this is
2: important because you guys have been trashing her the last couple of episodes. Yeah. But have been trashing her every episode. Oh, we oh, the only made on. fun of her oh, because yeah. of her blue yeah. hair. Yeah, that's it. Okay. But she still, in the goodness of her heart, decided to bake individual apple pies for everybody here on the podcast, primarily me. Even knowing
0: that we tease her about her blue hair. Does she know that? She does. Well they oh, yeah. are delicious, so they were absolutely sure, delicious.
2: Yeah. yeah, I guess that's cool. Uh, <laughs> it's the only thing I got to brag about in my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey honey, I've got friends that make fun of you all the time. I want to tell you about it. <laughs>
3: yeah, and then like proceed to never bring her around.
0: I, mean, I wouldn't oh, oh. she sits next to me in chapel
3: all the time. So. True. She's okay. <laughs> Anyway, oh, okay. uh, my thank you goes to uh, professors I've got right now, giving me the tools I need to succeed. And I don't know, I'm in the middle of a. I'm actually, I'm actually reading Atomic Habits finally,
4: oh, and I'm oh, starting to realize so
3: that. I'm starting to realize that, like, yeah, I wish that I could just flip everything over immediately, but it's just gonna take doing that one extra thing every day to, like, get into a better spot, I guess, academically. So I'm not, I'm not as. Uh, I don't know if worried is the right word what's the what word am i looking for um apprehensive perhaps Anxious? it's like yeah there you go i just i'm just not feeling that anxiety as much anymore because i know good. that i can't just flip it over right away i can't just turn everything mm-hmm. around and it's going to take little changes every day and god willing uh this will be a good semester
0: <clears throat> so there you go <laughs> i think step. you're gonna be a great pastor man i just gotta I find so. a way to get through school <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 you're gonna be awesome at it
3: i appreciate that thank you
1: all right. I guess if I'm going to do a thank you, I'll do a shout out to the MLC Library. Give me a pretty good place to study. Give me a room to study in. Mm. And uh, I've been just amazed at the uh, resources they have available there, and what they can get through the interlibrary loan. It's a uh, it's a fascinating place for me. So I love it, and I, more kids should use it at the school. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that they gave you guys the geriatric yeah. Corner over there. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, they gave us yeah a fish with one. the windows, so
3: you yeah. can look so, at like a zoo. So they can bring the people. Look at those guys. It's so Stuck most in it the room. study room in the yeah, entire. <laughs> library has yeah. been like that one in the Luther room downstairs yeah. like everybody sees it yeah. so everybody so walks I, so by it. Like, and about half
0: of the people that accidentally make eye contact with you wave the other mm-hmm. half the the other mm-hmm. just like put their eyes down and <laughs> hustle out of the room well, I think it's like, 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 so much more, I, more I, awkward like I saw you looking at me
2: I think it's important because when we bring focus trips here you can parade <laughs> See, them by I mean, that little I mean, room and it. say there's, you know even if you don't make it your first time here there's always a second chance
0: there's even a plaque on the outside of the window yeah yeah. this room is reserved for non traditional yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's like a zoo exhibit. It's a so, test. Charlie, I'm going to throw this out there for everybody. So this is the first year that they've had that room. You were kind of becoming like not a
0: weird old guy, and then you started studying in there, and right?
3: everybody's <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh wow, look at that! Just go <laughs> out and sit by the
0: regular desk. Well, by next, the plan is by next year they'll actually have a an off campus student lounge, mm, and ooh. then the geriatric room will go away. That would be kind of off campus lounge.
4: Kind of, yeah. So oh, in the basement
0: nice. of the chapel, they have. Pla- were you in there oh, that one day? Oh yes, yeah. that's right. Okay, but so I, guess instead I of a non traditional student bedroom, room, bedroom. you'll have an off campus student lounge. Yes. So then you know, like you can drop all your coats and. all that kind of stuff in here. So, mm-hmm. then, like, right now in our study room, it really is mostly just like a place to put our stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a yeah. mini
3: fridge, a freaking coffee curate, oh, yeah. or whatever. And, and if more than
1: three people out. try to go in there, though, it's very uncomfortable. So, oh, they yeah. totally like, need more sure, yeah. room. <clears throat> yeah. But.
0: All right. Shout outs. Uh, my. My shout-out goes out to Professor Frederick. For You're going to be surprised by this one. Did he he listen to it? Did he listen to the podcast? No, he did not listen to the podcast. uh, I want to get him on the podcast, though. I feel like we could keep asking. We'll we'll just give him one of these nice ones. (laughs) Um, Anyway, if we keep asking, I feel like we can get him. Anyway, um, Professor Frederick, the other day I had a slightly awkward interaction with him because it was 11.58, and I walked into the room and said, Good afternoon. And he looked up at the clock, and I looked up at the clock, and I said, Well, I guess good morning. And he looked at me and said, it hasn't been a particularly good morning. And I said, (coughs) well, I hope you have a good afternoon. And then he, like in his pensive way, he kind of thought about it for a moment and looked at me and said um, something to the effect of, I feel like good afternoon is more of a wish for you not an acknowledgement of a fact and that okay as simple Whoa. as that is uh-huh. it changed my Your perspective life. it changed my perspective on saying good morning and good afternoon so much it's not like an acknowledgement of like today is a good day what it's doing is saying i'm wishing you i hope that you have a pleasant afternoon yeah no. and that like it's just in my brain, like that's not like that's a big deal, like that's a conscious thing. Like, I mean, hey, it makes sense. Everybody that I re- uh, I talk to, I'm actually wishing you, like, hey, I hope that your afternoon is really good. So first of all, I don't have to wait till noon and play that game of like, oh, it's almost noon. So it's or like, yeah. every once in a while I'll see somebody at noon. I'll say good noon, yeah. which is super dorky. And well, you're anyway. That's the like... worst thing I've
3: heard in my life.
2: <laughs> so uh, for the listeners at home, you can expect Charlie's new book, Good Afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> question mark to be coming out this fall.
3: Okay, but well, honestly though, that's kind of legit. Right? Because in the morning, so like, I think it's from, let's call it anything until 11. When you say good morning, it's more of like a, I'm wishing you good morning. And then once it's 11 to noon, it's like, good morning?
0: Yeah. I think I'm going to start saying, have a good afternoon. (laughs) Right?
4: Oh,
3: yeah. Have a good afternoon.
0: And uh, even that extra word there just makes it more intentional. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, I hope you have a good afternoon. Yeah. See, so there's. So, some, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to do my shout out. Yeah, go for it. I'll, I was gonna, oh. I'll mention something, then. But, uh, <laughs>
2: <clears throat> so for my shout out today, I'd like to. Uh, first, I'll say that uh, this entire week has been MLC's Winter Carnival. And uh, the culmination of that was Saturday when we had our talent show. And I'm hey, going yo. to shout out, in particular, the. <laughs> Faux Wells Connection video the that was done. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wasn't so, that good. so, in particular, shout out to President Schrader yeah. for participating oh in that. That was such so, a good skit. You guys honestly did a fantastic thought, job.
4: I
3: honestly thought it was like an actual Wells connection <laughs> that they made for yeah, like, the. For like, sure. just like a winter yeah. time, like,
0: here you go. Yeah. And it was just a fun thing it to watch. And, so and then it turned well into awesome. an actual. Then I, thought joke. To myself, then I thought to myself, like, oh, man, they're going to get in trouble for this. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, President Stranger's there. I was like, yeah! yeah. yeah. It's like the no of the
4: way! Also. President I think it needs to go
0: on the MLC website or something. it was
2: awesome. They
4: should have a blurb of it.
3: No, they should send that out as an actual Wells connection to the
2: churches and be like, this is.
3: The college, check it out. You know
2: what I mean? Because like, it's like an actual representation great, of the college, our students particularly Price goozy. <laughs> so good. Zach, I was surprised oh you I'm so sorry. Yeah, no Zach. I'm oh right. dude, so
1: I was signed up for the audition and I forgot about it. And oh, they had oh, so no. many people that signed up to audition oh. that they just didn't have the door. Last, year, last year,
2: if you don't know, uh, Zach is a fantastic singer.
4: Yeah. Arguably you, has one of the best voices in the Give yeah. us a few bars. No, I ain't <laughs> giving you a few hey, bars. <laughs> you're
0: sitting in front of a condenser <laughs> microphone <laughs> with a class A setup Be-be-be-be-be. here. Oh, no, here I we can't go. Do it on just a, spot. Couple bars, sorry.
1: just what a couple of bars. Just a couple of sing? What's your favorite song? What's our fa- it depends on the day? Okay, hang on, a Well Let today me,
0: it's a it's a it's been a good day. You spent a lot know. of time it's in Bible Sunday. study. It's Sunday. Uh, I mean we can oh. just do
1: something something good like doxology, how's oh, that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise ye above ye heavenly ghost. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. I forgot the words, but he, hey. He said you ghost kinda... because that's <laughs> the
0: only appropriate translation of the Bible. The only inspired word <laughs> is Absolutely, the King James Version. Man. So <laughs> I'm telling you all, Yeah, KJV if, still sounds more powerful <laughs> man, if you well, It is
1: beautiful. Up. It's gorgeous. Yeah. If you and to your, pick your pick voice is beautiful bars.
3: too. Did you have somebody video your talent show one from Homecoming?
1: So I actually heard yesterday from one of the audio video uh, audio guys that uh, that they did record it, and I'm trying to get a clip of Dude, that. Dude, snag a clip of that, throw it yeah, over okay, here. Okay,
0: we'll like my
4: little attempt just now. The last
0: so. okay, that that skit with uh, Hot Sam and Natalie, <laughs> that was the, one. the singing at the end of it. It's uh-huh. a rehearsal recording. From my sister's yeah. wedding so when I was air dropping a bunch of stuff to Gus so we recorded some of the voiceovers on my phone Yeah, with Nick Cress. as I was as, out, as yeah. I was airdropping a bunch of stuff I just threw that in there for fun and I used it in the <laughs> no video. I told you to give it to me you were like hey I did
3: this and I was like oh buddy you want me to put you in the
2: skit so when you happen to pick up Charlie's new book this fall you can also get a copy of uh, Zach's album yeah be movie. Movie. Uh,
3: yeah with every purchase of a book there's a free album one, one
2: free cassette
4: tape in the back <laughs> There you go, there you go. Uh, all right, um, and then we're going to shout out hey, Jonah from hey, Nina was... Yo, ca-
3: dog, wait. we didn't do our shout outs. Okay, fine. I the show, the Sorry, you Jonah, the shout you'll out have for it. to wait. It's her. like a yeah, competition, oh, yeah, you right. can do either one. <laughs> okay. no, I was going to shout out my sister, actually, Annalise. She, I think I did last week, too, didn't I, probably? don't oh. yeah. know uh, At least
0: you didn't shout out your girlfriend three weeks in a row. <laughs> okay, all See, all right. Yeah, if I bring
3: it, up it. Annalise again next week, then yell at me or something. But, uh, no, she's just been killing it lately. She's been doing a great job with, well, what's the what's the before student teaching, what do we call that again? Clinicals. Clinicals. Yeah, she's in the middle of clinicals, and out, from what I've been led to understand, it's been pretty awesome so far. She and, won uh, two events in, a, in the Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Shout out. She won the snow sculpture contest and the cook-off. The, yeah. The, yeah. Which, the short, by the snow. way, she has. they have gotten second in the cook-off the past two years. This is the first time she's won it. I, I'm going to say it. past two years were rigged. Rick? No joke. Yeah, job. Oh man, I, I'm not gonna <laughs> drop names. <Never> mind. But <laughs> but close. it was the, didn't there uh, were there Claire was Tom
0: S- Haver and that other guy win at uh, at uh, homecoming. I don't remember. I don't know.
3: All I know is that there have been reasonable. Amount of suspicion towards the judges and their decision the past couple of years. So, I and I oh. sat in on a couple of them and I was like, there's no way that beats
0: theirs. And that, See, this is the best kind of church drama, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, yeah, future congregation idea right there. You have an actual cook off, you know. Oh, when we went to uh, when we went to so, when Pastor Gunther was in um, Kenai, I think it was in Kenai or Wasilla, one of the two up in Alaska, we went up there for college choir and they had a um, Alaskan cuisine cook-off.
4: Mm. That's and fantastic. so it had to be authentic Alaskan
0: yeah. cuisine and then the choir got to vote on what their favorite uh oh, wow. items were on the on the buffet. And mm-hmm. so it was everything from like muskrat meatballs to moose like mm-hmm. it was like roast beef sandwiches except it was moose. Wow. So there cool. were sea cucumbers, everything That's in between cool. salmon, all of it. It was it was the single best meal I can remember in my entire life. Awesome, and I've awesome, had awesome. I've been like I've had the opportunity <clears throat> to eat a couple of meals where it was like you know, a Japanese food buffet that was, like, $140 a plate yeah. and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And this is still the best meal I've ever eaten in my life. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. It was awesome. a church. Okay. Church, awesome. Mrs. Ingram, church I hope, hope you're not listening popcorn. right now. <laughs> 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 okay,
3: so I have a... Co- okay, guys, so... Back did, to did the, wait, didn't oh, she right, add you guys God. on Instagram? Did no, no she me add you and guys Nick. Back? She added me and Nick. Oh, you oh, didn't yeah. add
4: me. I feel less. out. Seriously?
3: <laughs> you didn't follow Charlie's mom? Come on.
2: Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I have, like, three followers. She
3: thought we were bots, I'm pretty sure. Like, I think she was like, hey, I just want to make sure that this is actually you guys that I'm following back. Just shout out
0: to my mother. Hello, mom. Yeah.
3: No, okay, so I actually have to... So back to the good morning thing, kid. So <laughs> We're never going to get she, anywhere. No, I just I just want to throw something out there, and it's like I'm trying to renovate it. Okay? okay. So I do this thing a lot where somebody says, hey, how are you doing today? And my, like, instant...
2: Canned answer.
3: Sure. I say... Not bad yet. I don't uh, love oh, it. That's really. Negative. I don't love it. Right. It feels negative. really negative. but I want to figure out how to put a positive spin on it because it's so much of a gut reaction for me at this point. I don't mm-hmm. want to change it. You just so far, I'm doing great. Yeah, that's not fun. Everybody it's says. Not so much. I always say yeah, better. Not person. bad I yet. It. Usually gets a laugh. That's why. I, that's what
4: Hey, but it's twice. also a little <laughs> bit of a prophecy. Or I either say, uh,
2: I either say like better than I deserve, or it could be better, it could be worse. I've been Absolutely. better and I've been worse. Okay, here,
3: here, here. Let me show you how. Okay, Connor, go ahead. How are you doing today, Gus? Not bad
0: yet. We'll see what happens. That's what I have been saying. <laughs> okay, so back with here. So the other guy that could use this right now, I guess, is Connor. But so, you guys know I say living the dream all the time. Which oh, yeah, I'm getting a little did. sick yeah. of that. I'm not gonna too. start saying yeah, that, man. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. getting that. a little sick of it too. Other but I think it's great. So people say. Well, so then when people the reason I say that especially like on campus it's whatever, but like when I'm at shells or when I'm around a town or whatever, and people ask me how I'm doing, I say living the dream. They usually like kind of snort and go, "Uh, "Somebody else's dream must be a nightmare." (laughs) No, (laughs) man, like I love this. And so then back when I when I had a girlfriend for that hot minute, Mm -hmm. um, the. sorry it wasn't I just threw myself under the yeah, bus anyway bad. anyway so when I have a girlfriend in general I'll say look I've, I I get to study the word every single day I've got a beautiful girl that loves me and um, yeah. Well, I forgot oh. see it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, <Okay. laughs> anyway, moving on. Anyway, what? well, so then I just give them all the reasons why I think I'm living the dream. So what I've been saying recently is something to the effect of like, look. Here's just, why I'm I living the just dream. Spend, you just I can just spend every day in the Word. I'm studying Absolutely. what I love. And yeah. this is the first time in my life where I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the dream, yeah, you know? Yes. Yeah, And sometimes it's it. a good reminder deserve.
0: for me, too, of like, you know what? I just... Uh, bomb that quiz but this is exactly what i wanted to do with my life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so speaking of bombing
2: a quiz shout out to paustian for correcting my uh (laughs) hebrew (laughs) quiz on friday i apologize
1: Uh, all right uh, well i haven't done a shout out i guess i'll if i'm just going to throw one out here i guess i'll do a shout out to professor Kelpine Mm -hmm. just for being generally an an awesome man who's just very inspiring to me he's the only one that's ever been like super strict with me but also gave me a big beer hug multiple times when he was (laughs) uh, have you heard the legend of Tudor psycho
0: I have never. Oh so you, you're his... familiar with UMAC, right? Well, ugliest yeah, man I on am, campus. Okay. So when he was at Northwestern, he won ugliest man on campus by being Tudor psycho. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. just dressed like a Tudor and would just yell at his freak yeah. out all the time about yeah. everything. <laughs> okay, it sounds like a great. And I'm pretty sure Wessel was Pope Bonafat one year too. Oh, he was just a really fat. Pope. He wouldn't fess uh-huh. up.
3: We asked him because somebody was like, "Hey, ask Professor Wessel about UMAC," and we did, and he wouldn't fess up to anything. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> that so, yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then uh, we, we also.
0: Want to shout out Jonah from Nina, Wisconsin. He made a cup of coffee donation. Uh, we call it a cup of coffee donation because that's about the price of a cup of coffee and you can help support the ministry we're doing here with young men. So if you'd like to support or help fund the work we do here at Gird Up, go to www.girdup.com, select buy us a cup of coffee in the main menu and make your donation there. So thank you, Jonah. Um, and thank you to everybody that helps support the podcast here. The question of the week this week is the following. I love my parents but our relationship has been rough ever since high school, and only seems to be getting more strained. I don't want it to be this way. I don't want our relationship to be this way. But I also don't want to give up my independence. How do I fix my relationship without just caving in?
1: Hmm. Why are you all staring at me? You can,
4: you can go ahead. And...
2: <laughs> <laughs> well. <clears throat> I think this definitely is going to fall under the fourth commandment. I mean, obviously, we're going to look at it in the in the context of of what the Lord tells us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of it kind of can also this question can run along the lines of uh, people who might say like, why do we have to listen to the government? Why should we do these type of things? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. It's it's those those authorities have been placed over you for your betterment, but you also have to ask yourself the question. Are they asking me to do something that directly goes against the word of God? And mm. at, at that point you have to mm. agree with, with what the word says and I have to obey God rather than
0: men. Yeah, we kinda of talked about this yeah. when we went through the fourth commandment, but the uh, like Luther points out like, it doesn't matter how ridiculous your parents are, how goofy they might be, you know, like if you're mm. gonna put it in modern terms, mm. it doesn't matter if he's wearing a pink tutu and running around singing opera songs, it doesn't matter if he's the most vile sinner, it doesn't matter if he's you know uh, if, he, if he hates the Lord mm. and isn't a Christian, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. You still need to honor him and respect him. Absolutely. But there is a difference between honoring him and respecting him and doing whatever he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's probably the line that needs to be drawn. I'd say yeah. so, yeah. yeah. I think that's the big
3: thing, right? That transition from high school into adulthood, mm-hmm. uh, it freaks everybody out. I mean, it freaks parents out in general because mm-hmm. it's like now, uh, I think a lot of times they see that transition. I mean, media and just society in general has painted this image of when you leave the house you're on your own now you know mm-hmm. like you don't have that support team you're on your own you got to build yourself up and i think a lot of parents know that that's what society is built up as what's normal and they like react really poorly to it okay. thinking that their kids are just going to go off and disappear into the sunset mm-hmm. just immediately mm-hmm. and so then their response is oh no i need to make sure i'm maintaining my, I don't, I don't know that authority is the word I'm looking for, but that like, that position. Like, yep. I'm still yep. your parent, you can't be doing these things, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, and that's a strange transition to go through.
2: And, and it's harder than the context of America too, because mm. according to American law, once you turn 18, you are a legal adult. You're allowed to make your own decisions in life. But God doesn't say in the Bible, like, once you're 18, like, that mm-hmm. authority <laughs> is no longer <laughs> over you. Like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, like, your yeah. parents are there yeah. for a reason. And, and for me, this is a hard thing to Relate to because I have a wonderful relationship with my parents, and my dad is a fine example of a Christian father and Mm -hmm. somebody that I strive to be like. Hopefully, someday, God willing, that I become a father myself.
1: Yeah. Well, I would just say there is a difference in dynamic once you leave the home and you end up trying to go out on your own, and that can freak parents out, but also kids can, you know, be very skimpish when it comes to actually like keeping in regular contact with their families because they're living their own lives and things like that. And I would just say that, you know, just being patient with a parent that's being a little overbearing or a little bit worried at that time would be good for kids to realize that you know they're going to get used to uh you know this this change in dynamic and all i can say is that my relationship was a little strained early on when i left the house but my relationship with mother is closer than ever nowadays we just stay you know in generally uh, regular contact and i don't know you know i think it's easy to honor parents in the sense that you know, making them feel like you're listening. You know, you're, you're giving them a place in your life, but you are your own adult, so mm-hmm. there, there are there are boundaries that have to be drawn, and it can be yeah. difficult.
0: Yeah, see, that's oh, go for it. Okay, well, and that I think that's that's one of the things I wrote down was you need to own your partner relationship, like mm-hmm. recognize. That the uh, like a lot of times the conversations that I hear people having about this topic is this like oh my dad keeps doing this or my mom mm-hmm. does that and it drives me nuts and then we end up yelling at each other mm-hmm. and there's no ownership of their side of the equation there. absolutely and essentially yeah. what you're trying to do and I know nobody wants to hear this but essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to control your parents mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's never going to happen you're never going to have control over your parents you're never going to be able to make your parents do what you want them to do mm-hmm. what you do have Complete control over is what you do mm-hmm. and you have complete ownership of that so the question has yeah. to be what can I do to make this relationship better mm-hmm. not what do my parents need to do so that I'm more comfortable or so that I get my yeah. way or whatever it might absolutely. be absolutely
3: yep. yeah 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 and
4: Oh
0: jeez, well, I, never mind. I forgot. What I well, and
2: I, I mean, like there there are two other things you need to consider. One that your parents are sinful human beings, just like everybody else mm-hmm. out there. Like, yep, yep. so there has to be that that grace. And as a child, that's very difficult to appreciate because mm-hmm. your whole life these people have been caring for you, nurturing you, and they seem to be the moral authority on everything you have to do in life. Mm-hmm. But as you get older and you start to realize, like, hey sometimes dad makes mistakes sometimes yes. mom makes mistakes so there also has to be that grace that they are also growing and learning as they become mm-hmm. older adults mm-hmm. you know what have you
1: absolutely
3: yeah yeah no i think i think the big thing that i've always thought of being the is establishing those boundaries like those new relationship boundaries because mm-hmm. immediately right off the bat if you can be like hey this is where i'm at like where are you at and then figure out where to meet in between that's going to be the best way to I mean, to address that relationship Mm -hmm. with your parents, right? I mean, if they want to talk to you all the time, I mean, first of all, recognize that. That's awesome.
4: Not
3: everybody has that. Some
4: people will die die for
1: that. Yeah.
3: And I mean, but at that same time, you can also (laughs) communicate with your parents and be Mm -hmm. like, hey, mom and dad, like, I I want to talk to you. Or even if you don't want to talk to them, recognize that talking to them is going to be a big thing because cutting them out of your life is not the answer
1: Absolutely, ever. And it's not only a big thing. I mean, you owe this to them. I mean, if they've raised you, and they're pretty much the reason that most of these kids are going to be here out on their own. You know, the fact mm. that they're functioning adults in the world, you still owe something to your parents, and it can be very inconvenient. It can be mm-hmm. very uncomfortable sometimes when you have to just either listen to them drawn on about something you don't like, or nagging about something that you know you you that you feel like uh, you know, something that you you want to do, blah blah blah. But you owe it to your parents to mm. listen and to maintain yeah. this toast.
0: Yeah, this to yeah absolutely. I, I will push back on that though and say okay. there's sure. a growing. Yeah, it yeah, seems yeah. like there's a growing number of parents who find a lot of their identity and probably an unhealthy amount of their identity mm. in being a parent and it seems mm-hmm. sure. it's probably even more so on the mom's side than the dad side okay and it seems to be really and it seems to be a more difficult thing for girls maybe even than guys i don't know how true that is mm-hmm. actually now that i say that i kind of want to take that back yeah um, there's a lot of guys who are still mama's baby boy even for when sure. they're like 25 30 years old okay and that is just as toxic as anything else. Is. Well, and see, that's what I wanted to bring up just
3: now, too. Mm-hmm. Is I think really what the question should come down to is like, how do you recognize whether or not the relationship that you have between your parents is a toxic one? Yeah. Or one that. There's room for like room for growth in the sense that you just need to understand it better.
1: Well, let me just clarify my thing here though is when I was just saying like you owe them something. I mean, i was saying you owe to listen to them at times, mm-hmm. at least even mm-hmm. if you don't agree with what they're saying, you can articulate that. The boundaries need to be set. What I mean is the fact that you know they've given you life, they've given you the yep. security that you yep. have to be able to be where you are today. Mm-hmm. And when I'm saying oh, I don't mean like you know you need to just do what they say or you have to you know uh, accept these unhealthy toxic things in your relationship. Yeah. So yeah. let me just clarify. Oh, I, I yeah. think
2: that that ties nicely with Gus because the question is like how, how are you supposed to know and mm-hmm. I think the Bible clearly states that for us when it tells us when Jesus says himself who among you when your son asks for a loaf of bread will give him a snake or something that I, I apologize yeah, yeah. I'm paraphrasing it's, no, it's, yeah. but, uh, but I mean the, the our father in heaven is the perfect representation of what solid masculinity and what a good father is meant to be for everybody and so as fathers uh, you're supposed to model that and there are times when, as sinful human beings, fathers do not always uh, represent Amen. that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So
0: we mentioned a couple times boundaries. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, and so the, I think kind of the, the, the synthesis maybe or the, the – the, I don't know what the word would be. Say what you're the, the, the median of, the mean of this conversation, the, what's, uh, when you're writing, what's, what's the topic sentence called? The, the, thesis. the thesis. The thesis maybe of is. our conversation so far is <laughs> you can disagree and still have peace, right? Yeah, absolutely. You don't you have to give up control or autonomy of your own life to have peace with your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gus brought up the word boundaries. So mm-hmm. what does that, like, first of all, where should the boundary be and how do you establish those boundaries?
4: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: And part of it is, as a child, you have to be willing to say, like, maybe my parents know something better than I do about this situation. Because when we when we come to our heavenly Father in, in prayer and we ask for something, the Lord doesn't automatically say, "Oh, Connor asked for a million bucks so he can pay off his student Absolutely. loans." That's not how much it is, but uh, you know, Connor asked for a million bucks to pay off his student loans. Sure immediately like a gives bucks. <laughs> sometimes. But you know, sometimes the best thing a father can say to a child is, "No, this is not what you need right now."
3: Mm. Yeah, I'd say like like to figure out. To figure out where the flaws in the relationship are, you got to educate yourself mm-hmm. on what you're supposed to be as the child, right So as Connor has said multiple times so far this evening is look back in scripture, right understand what your relationship is in accordance to what your parents are because I mean I, I wish I had some like like verses I could cite and stuff right. to mm-hmm. help with this conversation, but yeah, knowing knowing your position being able to acknowledge if you are the one that has is perhaps misinterpreting things mm-hmm. and then addressing those issues.
1: Well, one boundary that probably could be uh, <clears throat> listed here would be like in the issue of marriage. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know you're know, you one flesh with your spouse and it says to leave thy father and mother. Uh, well, at least in the old King James, that perfect Bible, <laughs> right? But uh, <laughs> like, so when it comes to like your relationship with your parents, if it's interfering in your relationship with a spouse, let's say, mm-hmm. in a way that is detrimental to your relationship, there, that's an element where it can become very toxic and you have mm-hmm. to learn how to set the boundaries within that. But the problem with this kind of conversation is it's going to be very subjective to the individual. Yeah, exactly. Um, we all have different relationships. We all need Different, you know, have different needs when it comes to our family. Some people Mm -hmm. maintain daily contact with their families, some people weekly, some people not even that. Um, and they can be healthy and look different. So, Mm -hmm. I'd just say where it's you making you compromise conscience or where it's making you compromise within a personal relationship, whether it's your friendships Mm -hmm. or maintaining your relationship with a spouse, if your parent is interfering in a way that is detrimental to those, that's where you need to say absolutely not. You can't, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe as an adult, yeah. I don't know yeah. that that's what it seems to me. Yeah.
3: I think the big thing there is the subjective aspect of it. And yeah. that's the thing with like this question and last week's, it's like, in the end we can throw some pro tips at you, but there's no specific answer that's going to be perfect other than, I mean, pray about it, mm-hmm. you
0: know, pray about yeah. your
3: relationship with your parents. Yeah.
0: And I, and I can't, maybe this isn't the right thing to harp on, but if I could harp on something, it would be, you can honor your parents and respect them and not do everything they say. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially yeah. as an adult child, mm-hmm. like, as, like a, a, as an adult who's the child with parents, you can respect them and treat them appropriately and keep peace and also not do everything they tell you to do. Absolutely.
4: Right? Mm-hmm.
2: So this is direct from uh, the small catechism located in uh, the Book of Concord, uh, page 366, paragraph 9. It says, For children. You children, be obedient to your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment that has a promise, namely, that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. From Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. And I
3: think perhaps something to just throw out there right away to be a reminder is, there's no age on that. When he says children, okay, you're always going to be your parents, the son or daughter of your parents, right? So, uh, we got a hand up. Go for (laughs) it, Charlie. Okay. (laughs)
4: <laughs> I was also gonna say there's
0: also no like statue of limitations. Yeah. As far as like well as long as they behave this way, you should honor them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their mm-hmm. behavior does not dictate whether or not you honor them mm-hmm. you honor them because they're your parents Absolutely. and yep. their behavior has absolutely nothing to do with that now it will make big differences in how your relationship comes about mm-hmm. and what your relationship looks like but you still mm-hmm. honor them no matter who they are no matter how wonderful they are no matter how vile they might be you still honor them because they're your parents
1: absolutely I just wanted to ask so you know Luther's the author of the catechism right mm. but like I, I think it was his dad wanted him to be a lawyer correct before yeah. he actually yeah. decided on his own like you know he felt that. The burden of conscience, I'm going to be a monk um, due to his you know, relationship with God there. So that is where he kind of set a boundary and like, decided okay. not to do what his dad said, yeah. but he was still yeah. honoring okay, God, God in that men. moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well,
3: and something that I wanted to uh, throw out there too, that I remember from IPC, it was uh, I don't know, it stuck out to me because I never thought about relationships in this way, but maybe in some situations once you've recognized in yourself how that relationship is, maybe not Uh, not communicating is the best thing. to, You know what I mean? Because I'm not... And see, this isn't a go-all, go-for-it. Like, I'm not saying, hey, because because of what I'm saying... Ah, what... Sorry. Point that I'm getting at... (laughs) Point that I'm getting at is that sometimes the healthiest thing to do to make sure you still have a positive relationship with your parents is to not, like, get into the argument. To not get into the confrontation. To recognize that it's not going to be something where you fi- they figure out that you're right or you figure out that you're right or something like that it could
0: just make it worse
1: okay I would agree I mean? with that one hundred percent. That's actually.
0: something we used to talk about a lot as teachers, is you promote what you narrate. Yes. Right? So if you're narrating the negative constantly, you're mm-hmm. promoting more negative behavior. Mm-hmm. If you narrate the positive, then you're promoting more positive behavior. And that's mm-hmm. not to say you should go into your parents uh, like <laughs> next time you go home like <laughs> you go home for, for the Easter holiday and you go like, Hey mom, I really appreciate <laughs> that you didn't snark me every time. I was like, right, no, yeah. Don't do that either. But you know, like just say like, hey, Like Mom, I saw you texted me earlier. I didn't call you back right away. I know you're probably worried about me. I just want to say, like, thank you for being patient with me before I called you back. Mm -hmm. And you can have that conversation without... She's probably not even going to notice that you said it, but it's going to be noted in the back of her brain somewhere. Or like, um, you know, Dad, like, I know you're really passionate about this, but i i'm just really not as passionate about it as you are yeah and just making those statements like that are going to start setting those boundaries it's not like you have to have a clear-cut like intervention with your parents Mm -hmm. and say from now on this is how our relationship will be established (laughs) you can you can start putting those boundaries in place without ever having a confrontation absolutely yeah Yeah.
1: absolutely yeah i think yeah
3: and going back to one of our original points is just self-awareness is going to be the biggest thing in this knowing yourself like it's got to it's got to be number 1 like knowing how you're going to act, how you're going to react it takes a lot of maturity and so Absolutely. like I think with a lot of the stuff that we've said I, I don't know that it's the end all be all by any means but definitely make sure you do you grow in your knowledge, grow in your knowledge of just any kind of communication and especially in scripture seeing how those relationships are played out it, it, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. We've talked about this before, but one of my favorite the ways to just treat these kind of conversations, no matter what they are, is ask, what would love do? Yeah. What would yeah, love do right go. now? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Any last word on any of that before we head on? Oh, All right. Remember that if you've got a question you'd like us to answer on the podcast, use the links in the description below to get a hold of us on social media or by email and let us know what you want the bros to talk about next. Um, as we transition here, we didn't talk about what we're drinking. tonight. so, what are you drinking here, Kyle? Oh, just another nuclear, another so. spotted cow, spotted cow a good one. Wisconsin favorite. Gustav, what you got going on there? Uh, I'll shout out
3: um, the one that I'm proud of having here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Montucky Cold Snack. Um, it's a Wisconsin brewed beer marketed for Montana. It's the official, unofficial beer of yeah. Montana, and I
0: believe the owners are in Kentucky too, which is yeah, just yeah. such yeah. a bizarre. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it's yeah. awesome. It's a great. It's a great beer, especially if you just need, if you just want a quick beer. I've never seen it yeah, you know, before. They're yeah. really good. And their like, social media and branding is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: it's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. we'll, well, finally. Oh, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. I was guys. just
0: going to throw it out there. it got a pickle in there, too.
1: So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which is actually a better flavor than I would have expected. But, so what I'm drinking is Binary Storm by Starkiller, and I'm enjoying it immensely, even though someone else here definitely does not. Okay. So <laughs> oh, uh, the yeah. person so. that bought it, you mean? Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was
2: hey. aware that Starkiller only does sours, and- <laughs> I was caught off guard. Like,
0: yeah. I'm drinking the uh, Spetzl. So Spetzel's down in Texas, and they're in the town of... Of Shiner, so they named all their beers Shiner after the town, and even though the brewery is called Spetzel. So mm-hmm. if you remember from the Christmas episode, we had that Christmas beer that we loved so much. It's the same brewery that makes that. They make also a toasted amber, and that is that phenomenal. I'm drinking that right now. Yep. And then we've got a couple more. Gus actually has a couple more shells Oktoberfest beers from 2022. Hey, yep. So I'm drinking one of those uh, after that. So uh, thank you, Gus, for the Oktoberfest beer because yeah. yeah, I'm it's great. It's my favorite one. So they do a phenomenal I'm about job it. every year. Yeah, all right. Uh, Today we're talking about the, uh, so as we're going through the large catechism here, last time we talked about the introduction to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Today we're talking about the first petition, and the first petition goes as follows. Hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray this petition that it may become holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? When the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and as we, the children of God, lead holy lives in accordance with it, help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches and lives other than what is taught in God's word profanes the name of God among us. Preserve us from this heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. All right. Hallowed be thy name. I think we should come up with like questions specific for each one too. Yeah.
3: You know, like be yeah. not not like not the questions that he has here, obviously, but mm-hmm. like discussion types.
0: Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah. I don't know. Well, so looking into Luther's text here, the first thing he said is that God's name is already holy, of course. Um, but our use of His name is not, and that's what's being addressed in this petition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we call our God our Father, and that makes us His children, and that means that His name is holy. And that his name is also then our family name. Um, and then the way Luther frames it is, you want to protect that family name. So don't bring shame upon the name of your family, but honor the name of your family, which is your father's name. And your father's name is holy.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. And this is for the, oh, man, it, it is pretty amazing how flippantly people just throw around OMG or just Jesus, or just saying the big divine GD," huh? divine oh, wait, that's yeah. awful. Divine really names just flippantly in conversation in response to things that happen to him. It's what? Did I say <laughs> Sorry, in too my many brain,
0: times? when you said divine names, no. it just automatically went to the Tetragrammaton in Hebrew. Yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah. imagining somebody using that as, a, as an expletive, and, and I would just look at them and be like, dude, you're a total dork, but, but, and oh, never hilarious. do that again. <laughs> but, but, that's, but that's a
2: good point. I mean, yeah, think about yeah. how... A whole, uh, how the reverence with which the ancient Israel right. Israelites used to hold the yeah. name so much well, as I mean, well. And see, yeah. perhaps
3: that's because it. of the situation we're at. Going to school is that we can we acknowledge that and see that in a different way than most other people do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for us, it's like, look, this is this is holy. This is special, right? But it it just I I, I guess I like. I think maybe when I was in seventh grade, I went through a phase where I was saying OMG a bunch. Yeah. And then my parents, like, shut that down real quick. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I just don't understand how people keep, especially in our circles, keep doing it. Yeah. How do
1: you guys feel about
3: G's?
4: G-
1: I mean, I guess it all falls back on... Intent, right? I mean, if you're using yeah. it as a substitute for something else knowingly, of course it's wrong. I oh, mean, I don't Jesus know how else you could say it. Jesus? Yeah. 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 Seriously? I, oh, well, I'm saying if you're using it as that. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. I mean, well, I'm I'm maybe, just maybe gonna... there can be the sin of, uh, just of, just of lost ignorance his there. right there. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I'm just gonna say I think generally it's a pretty innocent thing, mm-hmm. um, because I think people just hear it as as its own word. Like yeah, you were just saying, yeah. you're surprised to hear that. Oh, geez. I'm just not here yeah. saying Jesus. I have plenty of friends that say that. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the heart's intent in that moment. Yeah. I mean, if you're using it intentionally, then and of course, it's yeah. wrong, but
3: yeah, I remember like one of the things was is like saying OMG, but then being like, oh, I mean, gosh, or you know, or golly, something like that. Well, there you go. Like I think having that, like being like, oh, I'm doing this and it's a funny thing. Like that's definitely you, you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. and you know that nobody's taking it the right way. But I think there comes a point where you just kind of forget about it, and it's like, yeah, no, I do mean just golly, you know, or something like that.
1: Well, I guess that would just fall back on our, you know, our lack of reverence for who God is and what he's done for us, especially among the youth. I mean, especially when you're seeing that in the examples in older people, too, because I know plenty of people that use that flippantly, even Mm -hmm. older people within our churches. And it is sad, but that's just a lack of reverence, and that's probably just an overall ignorance of what it is they're doing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and I know Connor's diving into this right now, but there's, uh, Luther produced three ways uh, that there are to profane God's name. So he listed three ways. The first is to mislead in God's name. Whether that be like to lie or to swear, you know, you think about Swearing in court is what we always talk about in catechism yeah. class, Great right? Forward, yeah. we're using him as a witness or preaching and teaching things that you know aren't true. Um, or even that you accidentally preach something that isn't true. You're still using God's name in vain. Um, the other way to misuse it would be to misuse it by cursing and swearing, which is kind of what we're talking yeah, about, yeah, just yeah. flippantly Absolutely. using God's name. Mm-hmm. Or... To call yourself a Christian, but then engage in openly wicked conduct. Yeah. So the yeah. first question, I guess, is we kind of talked about the, the idea of a family name. Mm-hmm. But is it true that just calling myself a Christian and then doing wicked things um, brings dishonor to God's name? And how so?
1: Well, I would say so, because who you are, what your testimony is is to the living God, that you have faith in him, that he's bought you, that he's claimed you as his own. Mm-hmm. And when you're engaging these things, you're saying, you know, I'm... Engaging as a slave to sin in this moment and not being a slave to Christ. I mean, of course, what is representing to the world is that you don't really believe what you're saying. I know Jordan Peterson's really popular among young conservatives right now. And that's one thing that he says about Christianity is if you really believe it, um, then, you know, that that better have an effect on your behavior. Because if you're living like everybody else and you claim to believe something, you know, that uh, miraculous, uh, that's a shame on, that's a shame for yeah. you. And, uh, yeah, so I think definitely it's follow. It's such
2: step. a hard thing too, because even as, even as people that are studying to be called workers, we are so very aware that we fall short of this, like calling to be Christians in life over and day and day again. I mean, when I'm daily taking the plank out of my own eye, I'm sitting there going like, do I even deserve to be called a Christian? And so it, it almost feels profane to call yourself a Christian. Yeah. And uh sorry, we have a bit of a technical Dude, difficulty on Charlie's end over here. My hands are so close. <laughs> uh, uh, he was just excited about what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: But oh, uh, gosh. Dude. <laughs> Why oh you say just that? you just figured out
2: what
3: it was. <laughs> okay yeah. anyway, anyway.
2: But uh yeah, I mean My family listens to this.
0: <laughs> well man. Anyway. Yeah, but uh, I, I think I think there's
2: well, there I was about to unfollow you on Instagram. <laughs>
4: There's something Connor, to be people. said
2: that we should that we should be very aware of the fact that like it's 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 almost hypocritical to to call out other people when we call ourselves Christian, but at the mm-hmm. same time like like we are very well wa- very well aware of the fact that we fall short of that title every single yeah. day.
3: I think what's kind of interesting is it's like in acknowledging that fact. How often does it turn into, well, I know I'm going to be falling short, so here I go doing whatever action. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It, it, I mean, to apply it to this moment, like, I know I fall short, so, oh, my gosh, or, oh, you know, whatever you're saying.
1: Do we go on saying that grace more, may more abound type question there? Mm-hmm. You know, people try to use that as justification for sin, yeah. and that's when you're falling out well, to yep uh, yeah, go
3: ahead. Well, no, I'm sorry. And I was just going to throw in there, too. It's like now nowadays there seems to be this culture in many Christian circles where it's like, the people who are, there's so many church, maybe not maybe not church leaders, but like prominent people in Christianity who it's like, look at me, like I've done these things, mm-hmm. and like I know God, but it's like I did like that. I guess there's just a blatant admittal. Is that a right word? Admittance. Ah, admittance I know what you blatant mean. Ad, it blatant dark. admittance to the sins that you've committed but then not not actually turning around. Yeah. And it, and it's like a point of pride where it's like, yeah, look, I lived this life. I've I've lived that life, but look, like the way I'm living now is like I know that I'm doing bad. At least I acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. That kind of mindset.
1: Well, I mean, are you legitimately acknowledging it if you're continuing in it? I mean, it's like if mm-hmm. you're if you're accepting this is okay in God's eyes, then you are going against what uh, what the gospel calls us to do, which is to try to live holy.
0: Well, and and if you're continuing and what the law to, requires, because, right? And if you're continuing to do that, what you're essentially doing is looking the God of the universe who exists outside of creation mm-hmm. and is all powerful in the eye and saying, "What you got?" Yep,
1: yeah, absolutely. It's really what you're doing. Oh, absolutely, tempting yeah. God, absolutely.
0: Here's what I think of you. Like, would you go, would you, like, think about it this way? Would you go to your own father, stand in front of him, and not just give him a hard time, but outright disrespect him and insult him and use his name in vain to his face? Mm -hmm. Would you do that to your own father? Probably not. And if you do, it's shameful. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: What then of the God of the universe? What Mm -hmm. then of the Father of all things? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How seriously do you take his name and do you really
1: believe he is who he is? Right. And it's a hard balance though, because yeah. you know, we we all we do have to acknowledge that we will never meet the standard of perfection that the law requires. Mm-hmm. And that's why we needed Christ. And that's why we mm-hmm. always need Christ every day. Um so but I mean I I agree one hundred percent. We need to strive to live holy lives and even though we do fall short, we know we have a savior that didn't.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank goodness for that. Amen. Mm-hmm. Any last word? Connor looks like he's googling. An uh, analog.
1: Hey, he's by looking at a book, this, man. Let's give him credit By, by <laughs> Googling you mean a millennial. <laughs> yeah. He's turning
0: a page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, in preparation All for right. this, I highlighted my book. Which one Which one of these guys Googling. isn't a millennial? There we go. Are you one <laughs> right now? <laughs> That's hilarious. There's a Okay, one of my favorite yeah. uh, picture books that I have out on a shelf out there. It's a book. you still read that? Okay, I've got about 20 picture books. They're the only ones at the level that he's at. And about 800 actual books. So, hey, now. Anyway, so one of my favorite books out there. It's called The book is called It's a book And the whole story There's a There's a donkey And a mouse And the um, The mouse is Or no it's a monkey It's a monkey and a donkey and throughout the whole book, the monkey is reading a book, and the donkey is on his phone, and he can't figure out how a, a real book works. And the last page of the book, the last line of the book is, "It's a book, jackass," <laughs> <laughs> which is funny yeah. because it's a donkey. Yes, yeah. I wow. see. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You know, jokes always get yeah. better when yeah. you explain yeah. them. Right. Yes, much I'm better. Sure. Sounds All like propaganda. Right. <laughs> see, and here I
2: thought you were going to say "C-spot run" because personally, that one touched me as a child
4: too. <laughs> I'm so glad that we like this conversation. I want to know what your, is your middle was now. like if c-spot run hit you personally i read that in high school <laughs> <You> know,
3: <laughs> like three minutes ago we were on fire we were so <laughs> on fire we were doing so good and then we started talking picture books all right well <laughs> let's make
0: it even worse by going on to obscure bible oh, trivia no. here I we exactly go on,
3: i will not. I think we need to like have a like an intro theme to that like can you can you figure out how to get us some intro themes
0: Well, oh, mm-hmm. we've got a singer in the room yeah
1: Oh,
4: gosh, no. <laughs> absolutely. Dude, not. Hit something obscure, about Obscure, obscure Bible, Bible trivia. Obscure Bible trivia. Here we go. That like was beautiful. Everybody else be no, no, really
0: quiet so, so we can snatch it and use it on the right, air. Are you ready? So and
1: no, absolutely. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> obscure hold Bible on, trivia. It's only just say the words. words. We'll trick, no, we'll trick them into saying it.
3: Hey, what are we about to do?
1: We don't know. There it is. Obscure Bible <laughs> trivia. Those are the three words. <laughs> right, okay, right, right,
0: really right, quiet. Right, uh, obscure Bible trivia. Yeah. Last try. Last I, don't,
1: I don't. I don't have it. <laughs> all I'm sorry, right. right Blanking right, right, here, fine. man. Fine. I'm so sorry. It next all week. right. <laughs> <laughs> fine.
0: Okay. So some of these are really, really hard. But all right, here we go. Question number one. <laughs> in English, of course. I know I need to specify that because you guys are all Greek scholars.
1: Absolutely. I've never. First had a class.
0: Peter's first letter. Who is it addressed to?
2: I'm sorry, can you repeat that?
3: First Peter, that's to we'll, we'll pause for a second, let everybody else guess. In in the audience world. No, not like between us. Subject. Oh yeah. Fair enough. Um can I Wasn't it goal? to heathens? It was like some uh You're uh, on the right album. track, but in, not quite right. Oh I can't remember where, but yeah, it's like it's to like a group of I'm I'm saying heathens because that's what the intro to the book says. You're really close. What you got?
0: To those dispersed.
1: Oh, the idea. Okay. yeah, yeah.
0: That's where the word diaspora comes from. That's right, diaspora. Yep. To know those know who that. have that's been dispersed. Yeah, that's right. Well, right. Wasn't
3: it to a specific place or no? Is it not a, First egg? Peter?
0: Okay. Well, I well, you can prove me wrong. You can Google it if you want, but
3: no, I'd rather have my 84
0: <laughs> on me and look it up in there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so for people there is a good ca- there is a good catholic <laughs> All right here's a good catholic question for you though cuz there's a good catholic ooh, question ooh, in here okay. Who? Or, I'm sorry. King James. Where, Pope Benedict. Where, <laughs> is, <Reims> for- <laughs> where is Satan's throne? And they cite Revelations two, twelve, 12, and 13. But where is Satan's throne? Washington, D.C. that
1: one
4: Not when Trump was president. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a joke. Oh, so this is, joke. This is, <laughs> joke. This is Satan, not the Antichrist. This is the question, right? Yeah, where is Satan's, Satan's throne? throne? Well, I know he's the prince of the power of the air. Where is his throne?
3: It's is the answer not hell? <laughs> I mean, no, it's Just not. want to make sure it's not.
1: Okay, it's a it. Catholic question. That should be the, that should make it easy, is like it, something the Catholics would say. Yeah, okay, hmm. the throne of the devil, I've, Satan's throne. I've never heard that concept.
0: Well, it makes sense
3: that it's Catholic, though. <laughs>
1: oh,
0: come on, think so. about it. it Where it would crashed. Satan's throne be if it's not in hell? It's Somewhere the, on the Earth? Hades, um, they're Catholic. Is it in Luther's? Pre- Birthplace. Pa, Puh. pa. Puh. Come on. Puh.
1: Uh,
0: where do they go? <laughs> <laughs> my aunt has a bunch of summer oh, homes in Panama. Actually, oh. <laughs> my great no, aunt. What they, do you buy? To Arlene. Anyway. Palestine. No. Oh my you, gosh. A, you I said think that's me. a pretty Pura. good Pura. I just said, oh my gosh, too. Okay. Puh. Oh my <laughs> goodness gracious. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Purgatory. Purgatory. Oh, thank oh you. Wow. Oh Seriously, but right, other, Panama, that question doesn't count though. That's that question Why would count. Satan, anyway? Yeah, I don't. I, that's a great question. God, if only it were true. I've never known we could before. actually explore it. Hmm. I'm, well, well, isn't it like
3: something that, like, he's still in the world acting, so therefore he's not actually suffer- suffering hell yeah, or something? Yeah, because if like he's that? not
2: thrown completely into the abyss yet, then he's probably still yeah. acting. I could, I think, I, could, I, 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 I could think could that's their that mindset logic. on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I not
3: true. Not true. Yeah, but whatever. Anyway, next one. What you got?
0: Oh, That's a Weird face. What kind, Connor? You better know this, right? What kind of spirit, in Acts 16, what kind of spirit possessed the girl in Philippi? I actually do this. All one. right, do wait a second, second. wait a second. What kind of spirit possessed the girl in Philippi?
1: You got I'm just drawing blanks here on all, all, right. all these questions. I'm not going to
2: what? I'm not gonna get it exactly right because I cannot remember the terminology that was used, but it was a spirit that was able to see into the future, a spirit of prophecy or something Oracle. like that, right? Oracle. Oracle.
0: You're right but what was it called? It had a name. Did
2: it start with a P too? It did. Uh pipe pipe S- yeah, it's
0: like Python or Python. Yeah, Python, yeah, Python. spirit. I'll, oh, give wow. Justin, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. We I'm, did. I'm this we one. did just spend an entire semester studying X. So. Oh, well, see, I did <laughs> not. so Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So we're one for two right now. We're one for two. Okay. You guys want an easier one or a hard, another hard one? Just do just for throw, Do both. Do whatever. All right. Okay. Give we got two more, more then. Okay. End so above. we'll go with the. Uh, we'll go with another hard one, and then we'll go. Um, yeah. Okay. okay. So. What was Daniel's name in Babylon?
1: Oh, my gosh. What uh, was Daniel's
0: name in Babylon?
1: Mm, What's We the, just the had first this in letter. BHL, too. What's the first letter? Yeah, you can give me the first letter. B. B- mm, Bob. Nope.
3: And we talked about it in ancient Near East, too. Oh my goodness!
1: Yep. See, I'm just drawing blanks here tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, bar. Don't feel bad. I should. Bar- yeah. I see. I've got a it's bar there, a, <laughs> but I'm sure that's probably not it. So.
3: It's a. It's a. It's a, Oh, come on. It's. Ugh. This is a. This is frustrating to me. All
1: right. What you got? Sorry, brother. Belshazzar. <laughs> ah. Out of nowhere, Forget that. Forgive me. I just whacked your microphone. <laughs> I'm so mad. Belshazzar. Belshazzar. All right. Belshazzar.
0: We are one for. Th- uh, one for three with mm-hmm. a bonus question. You can redeem yourselves. What was Timothy's grandmother's name? <laughs> what was Timothy's grandmother's name? Where was it? easy should question? Be really, I'll
4: be. This is,
3: is, oh, really this really is tough. an easy one. Dude, stop. You would not be. Able
0: oh. To oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now that you've seen it, it's probably yeah. easy. That's no, exactly. it's it's it is. a bias. It just his mother and his grandmother are named together. Is it open in Scripture? <laughs> 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 Wait, hold on. You're asking for the grandmother name. What's the mother name? See. Eunice It's Eunice. Gr- Mom is Eunice, grandmother is
2: Oh.
0: Hey. Say it. <laughs> I thought you, you said no Go ahead. You said oh, come on now. Lois? Lois, Lois and Eunice. I'm sorry, I cheated that I, go that be, one. Oh my god. Be practicing oh, my that be an <laughs> wow. oh my goodness. Oh gosh. You guys continue to disappoint. I'm Why so are we friends? <laughs> Okay, you know what? (laughs) Next week, Connor. Connor, you bring the trivia next week, all right? Let's just... All right, yeah, I'm done with that. Connor brings the trivia. Connor brings the trivia, and I'll answer some questions, because, I don't know, you guys keep getting upset every time I say these questions are easy. Some of these are legitimately easy questions, and you aren't answering them. I don't know. I don't know. Didn't you have a hard one? Okay. Didn't you have a hard one left? Uh, that was the, uh, what was Daniel's name? Yeah. Oh, it was, was it? Batman. Oh, my bad. Yeah. All right, gotcha. All right, so uh, you guys know that we're going through the litany. Um, this is from the- we're not doing top three. Oh, shoot. Yeah, okay, I did miss that. All right, got a top three first. So uh, today we're doing top three. Top three uh, for the week is our favorite nonfiction books. And we discovered just before the podcast started that Gus has never actually read a book. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> that's true. Oh, no, nice. okay, yeah. So, um, non-fiction books. I'll be honest. I came up with two, and then my third one is kind of a list of runners-up. Um, oh, okay. So, <laughs> well, that makes me feel a little bit but, about mine. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, favorite non-fiction books. Favorite non-fiction books. Anybody want to start us off here?
1: Uh, I'd be happy to. Um, I'm not trying to sound spiritual, but I guess I'll go ahead and try to answer with one Luther book, uh, "Bondage of the Wheel I th- still think that's one of the most fascinating books that I've ever read. Um, it's just an amazing polemic and it's just, it just gets so much into philosophy. And I just think it captures the essence of what our theology is. Ultimately, that man's absolute dependence is on Christ and Christ alone for salvation. He has nothing within himself that can will or do anything for salvation. Um, I think everyone should read that book. It's an amazing book. It's hilarious. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's comforting. It's, it's a wonderful book.
0: Do you happen um, to have a favorite translation? Because some of those translations best are translation, unreadable. Well,
1: the best translation, so there's two that I would reference. The first would be uh, volume, uh, mm-hmm. volume three of The Career of the Reformer in Luther's Works, which is by Philip Watson. The second would be by J.I. Packer, um, which came out in the 60s. It's probably the most modern translation because Philip Watson's, I think, is kind of an update of uh, Henry Cole's translation from the late 1800s. Um, but I would say J.I. Packer's is the most readable um, and you can find that on Amazon for, I think, 15 bucks. Uh, it's a really good translation, and it's got an amazing introduction, historical introduction. So definitely read those, uh, read that. And I would say for the general reader, um, J.I. Packers is great. But for someone that's wanting something that's going to have footnotes and give you, you know, a, a lot of stuff to get into the text, it would be Philip Watson's and Luther's works.
0: I've got one from Fortress Press that is absolutely unreadable.
1: Yeah, see, that's Henry Cole's late 1800s. It is considered one of the worst of those. <laughs> uh, that's why it's public domain. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so my second would be actually Carl Sandburg's six-volume biography of Abraham Lincoln. I have mm-hmm. never read a you series. Carl of Carl Sandburg? Carl Sandburg. Now, this is from the 1940s, I believe, is when he finished the last four volumes. It's called The War Years. Uh, Those primarily, the first two are great, but they're a little bit more political. He was a poet, not a historian, but he won the Pulitzer Prize for the work. And I would say no work in in, uh, history has ever transported me to another time quite like that work. I felt like I was in the 19th century. Here's
0: a question that's kind of out of left field, but do you think your relationship with the Civil War personally is any different as a Southerner?
1: 100%. It was part and parcel to my identity growing up. Um, I remember in through sixth to eighth grade in middle school when we would have like history presentations, it would always be somebody with uh, Robert E. Lee or Stonewall Jackson or something like that uh, presentation. Now, as I got older, I fell in love with Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I think he was the greatest president we ever had. Um, I would have fought for the Union, but I guess I'll go ahead and qualify that and say he did deserve to die. That's my opinion. Sorry. It's a little controversial. (laughs) Well, I He deserved to die. He deserved to die. Well, uh, let me clarify that just really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Our podcast just got Well, (laughs) I'm so sorry, any Abraham Lincoln fan. So what I'm saying is his his unwillingness to compromise at Fort Sumter is something worthy of honor, but it is also something that was a cause of 650,000 to a million lives within the Civil War. And even though I think he had an iron wheel and that he used it uh, masterfully, during the Civil War. The second inaugural address is like the most, the greatest speech ever written in American history. I would say that he bears a lot of responsibility for that war. And, I mean, even the Bible talks about blood for blood in a lot of ways. I know that's not in Christ, but, you know, he wasn't a Christian. I'm just saying when you cause a war, even though you were standing for principles that I can agree with in a lot of ways and you were willing to fight to the last drop of everyone else's blood, mm. you know, you bear some responsibility there. And when yeah. he got shot, you know, that blood was, there was a lot of blood that was on his hands. And that you can't you can't exonerate him from that.
0: Interesting. It, wow. That is yeah. one of the most that's controversial a, things
2: I've ever heard. Well, you, you put it in such a unique
0: light that. That, like, That's just, I'm not saying I agree with you, but I appreciate You don't have you. to. I, 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 I have not read.
1: You. I love Abraham Lincoln. I, I think he's have not read a the biography
0: that you're talking about, um, yeah. but I've read a couple of other ones. And my question for you is, do you think, Do you think? and there's mm-hmm. no way really to know, but do you yeah. think he was a Christian um, later in absolutely
1: life? Not. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, absolutely not. What makes you say he was not? Well, so once, first off, he never once referred to Christ in any prayer or any uh, public speech speech that he ever gave. I believe 100% he became a, 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 a you know, a, a, an astute, or not astute, a, 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 I don't know, a very sure deist. Like, he was sure there was an a power at work behind the scenes, and he called it God. He believed that he was an instrument in that being's hands, um, but there is zero evidence that he ever made a personal mm-hmm. affirmation of uh, trust in Christ. He had a, a membership at the local Presbyterian church um, mm-hmm. in his community, but his wife, like, was you know dabbling in a lot mm-hmm. of occultism and things like that. While they were in the White House yeah. after their son died, there is just a lot. If you're really looking at his personal life, he was an outright infidel when he was young. Like he wrote this famous like little treatise against the Christian God when he was young, and then an older lawyer threw it in the fire because like it was so bad right. and would kill him politically mm-hmm. later on. And uh, even though I have a high amount of respect for the man, and I think, you know, that God did use him as an instrument during that time because I believe God's preserving all things uh, through life and that God did have a purpose in that war. Um, I don't believe he came to faith in Christ. At least, I mean, I, of course, I don't know the last moments of his life. Was he sitting there in that, that theater and, you know, talking to Jesus? Maybe. Uh, but I'm just so. saying when you look at the evidence of his life, there is no evidence of that.
0: So I'm, I'm with you. I'm wow. not convinced that he was. I'm not convinced yeah. that he really did have saving faith. Um, but yeah, okay, but if you read uh, so, um, uh, Stephen Mansfield read a, a or wrote a book called "The Faith of Abraham Lincoln." He's I've read it. that. He's yeah, and so yeah, so you like there's there's like twenty thirty years later, there's a couple people saying things like we should go visit, like some of his last words were supposedly we should go visit the Holy Land, yeah. and things like that. And I'm might- with you. I'm not convinced that he really was saved, if you will, mm-hmm. when. He died, and I'm not convinced he ever really had a true Christian faith. I, would, if I believe if he there respected was somebody, the Christian If God. there was somebody who maybe, like, I would put him with par- maybe parallel to somebody like Jordan Peterson. Okay. Where yep. they have a great respect for scripture. I mean. They yep. think that they're deep uh, truths um, that transcend time and, and, and the generations, like they transcend humanity. Mm-hmm. But I'm not convinced that he really was a Christian. Yep. However, he was heavily influenced by Christians throughout his life.
1: And he was heavily influenced by the King James Bible in particular. He borrowed that for many, many speeches. You have uh, Elizabeth Keckley, who was like the assistant to his Mm -hmm. wife, who recorded that he was reading the book of Job constantly throughout his time in the war. And after the death of multiple of his sons, and so much death being on his Hands, I would say, um, you could see that burden of guilt was really, really, really harming him, and he was going to Scripture for that. So I pray that God saved his soul. So when you ask me, do I think he was? There is no evidence he was up to the point of his death. Is my whole point. And I would say, in contrast to that book, and there's a guy named Alan Guelzo, who is a uh, an Episcopal uh, or it was an Episcopal pastor. Pastor. Now he's a, a a very famous Civil War the, or Civil War historian. But he wrote a book called Redeemer President. Um, And he goes heavily into Lincoln's philosophy and to Lincoln's uh, uh, religion. And I think he has really good responses to some claims by Mansfield. And uh, I I would suggest anyone that's interested in what his uh, religion was to read that book.
0: The other one, so Mansfield also made really bold claims about a couple other people, Barack Obama and... Um, Winston Churchill and a couple of others, like Winston Churchill, was not a Christian.
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, and he made some claims about that. His, God was and, his then, and then also got...
0: about Barack Obama. Now Barack Obama is oh, a little different because he still is alive, mm-hmm. and he can still. But uh, you look at the evidence of his life and what he says consistently over time. It's kind of a question, hmm. um, but. Steve Mansfield also is a wonderful author. Oh,
1: 100%, and he has yeah. some of those fascinating insights. <laughs> so anyway, now that we've part, gone down that road. But that part. was two, and I'll just yeah. get my last one, and we don't <laughs> have to ahead. talk about it. My last one's still going to pertain to the Civil War. It is a book called Patriotic Gore by Edmund Wilson, who was a literary critic um, in the early 1900s. And if you just want a book that's getting into the Civil War literature, this man is one of the most fascinating writers you'll ever read. Uh, he absolutely hated the Union, but I, I love the Union during the war. But go ahead. Alright, well uh <laughs> Glad boy. you guys got to have that conversation. Either. Connor
4: and I are gonna talk now. Oh you guys are still here. Oh yeah. okay.
2: Sorry. Let, about me tell that, you, let me tell you about my deep hitting books here. Uh, yeah. My first one is Bo Beckler by uh Beckler. Hey <laughs> as a diehard Michigan fan, I thoroughly enjoyed his book.
0: Very cool. Very cool.
2: I don't know if he was a Christian. I didn't <laughs> read any theologies on it.
0: Um, <laughs> Okay. But he sure loved it. <laughs> Never
2: mind. Yeah, my, uh, <laughs> my second book is actually uh, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Uh, and my final book, although some will call it a fiction, I think it is an accurate representation of a potential reality. It's called uh, One Second After. I don't know if you guys have ever read that before. Never have. It is the story of what would happen in America if a... Sounds like uh, realistic fiction. Okay, it's it's a it's the story of what would happen in America if a uh, EMP bomb was launched over America and completely shut down our electrical grid. And it's interesting concept. It's, it's
3: kind of like Man in the High Tower type thing. Kinda, yeah. yeah.
2: And it's, it's it's taken from the standpoint of of like like everything that just shuts down. And so it's like it's it's supposed to be a book about this father that's trying to like struggle to keep his his diabetic daughter alive. After the electri- mm. electrical grid goes down He has to deal with that Fantastic book I, I suggest you listen to it um, And it, it really shows some some holes in our national defense If you ask me
3: uh, Way cool, interesting yeah. uh, So since I stayed on theme with nonfiction, fiction <clears throat> uh, The books that I pulled up uh, Well, a couple years ago I don't, I don't remember It was in Grunmeier class We had to read Luther the Reformer The Story of the Man and His Career that's actually super interesting especially for me like I went to public school growing up so I quite frankly didn't know a ton about Luther's life so that was a really easy read give you a lot more insight in general to I don't know things about his life other than he got you know almost got struck by lightning and all that jazz and became Luther. And, became Luther and became Luther yeah exactly right so it it was it was definitely interesting for me uh <clears throat> you know reading about the I mean you know the founder of lutheranism uh but otherwise probably the most the only actual nonfiction book that's ever like novel that's ever like grabbed me in a way that like i re- i will recommend it and remember it probably my whole my whole life um it's called into thin air uh it's a personal account of the mount everest disaster in 1997 Ooh, if you guys ever really good. heard of that uh they came out with a movie a couple years back it actually had uh like it had some big faces and then i'll look it up real quick but uh and essentially uh like everybody uh so there were like 24 people that went up into Everest and this huge storm came upon the place and so basically the whole story is about this journalist well this I mean true story this whole true story was about one of the people on the journey he was a journalist he was writing an article about Everest just climbing up the top and then he ended up being one of like three survivors from that hike on, at that time that's such wow. an interesting yeah topic. and so it is it was super interesting uh the movie does it some some justice i'd say the book i mean you know as usual the, the actual novel itself is better but i mean it has Jake Gyllenhaal in it uh jason clark if you re- recognize oh, yeah. that yep jason clark uh josh brolin's in it oh, Wow. which wow. is pretty actor, legit then. yeah a bunch of bunch of other people that you would probably recognize uh, robin wright uh wonderful gal uh, well actor actress i suppose but yeah really good book i just remember it's like the one of the only books that actually gave me like not nightmares but it was just the way he describes the storm that came up the mountain is like like they were on top of everest and they were about to start hiking down and they just see you know this like big cloud that they're going into and they start walking down towards it and it all gets dark and then it like rushes up on them and then within i don't know how many hours like seven feet of snow within like two hours or something like that and so like people got buried nobody could find their way like you know how they have those guiding ropes and stuff like that those all ba- essentially disappeared people were freezing to death oxygen was running out because when you climb everest you have you don't right. have to have oxygen like but it if you're not a like well, based a based on what i I read it's pretty oxygen. much just
0: the locals that can get close to the top without Oxygen. well yeah and, oh, really? and extreme and athletes that have trained for it kind of thing with, like oh i, oh, okay. I forget yeah. what i suppose it's like the deprivation masks and stuff yeah. that you can i use forget nowadays, what it's
3: called but... but it's actually like this challenge for a lot of people where it's a, it's like the seven peaks is what they call it and it's yeah. the top and you go and you hike all of the top seven hmm. highest mountains um okay. or summits seven summits i suppose
2: is ben, probably what it's I, I give a listen accurate. to an audiobook
3: but yeah, no, check it out. Super interesting. I will say, once the storm happens, it does, I mean, like, story-wise, it does kind of get like, oh Everybody dies. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Like real life. Okay. Well, it was, it was like the last half of the book was like him getting back and then nobody being found. So I guess if you're looking for like some high-paced, like, it's pretty high-paced up until the event, and then it kind of goes down from there. But it, it's very fascinating. I I recommend it to anybody. Into thin yeah. air. And, uh. The guy who wrote it is uh, John Krakauer. Krakauer, yeah,
1: well, that sounds That's right. right. Yeah, well, yeah, that it's... does that sound very interesting, man. Yeah. So well, as you
2: know, uh, Charlie is an avid reader, uh, as we've talked about earlier in this podcast. So, uh, what where's Waldo? Do you have for us tonight? Charlie? All right. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, first of all, did you know that like up on Everest, since everything's frozen, like everybody who's ever climbed it, like their bags of poop are still up there. All the dead bodies mm-hmm. are still up there. All that yeah. kind of stuff. So, as you're hiking up, well, there's no way to they take it use down either. right. Yeah. They use dead bodies and stuff as like markers on the way up the mountain which is mm-hmm. talk about morbidity yeah that's well, yeah anyway well and it's like you don't de- it bodies don't decompose the same oh, way right up. like they, right. they definitely do both the altitude and the just, temperature yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's just crazy stuff anyway okay um three i had uh my so i have two really that are way up there above all the others and then i had a bunch of other ones so um my first one is how to win friends and influence people by dale carnegie i've probably read it um, seven or eight times now wow, Really? Um, for a while when I was teaching I would read it once a year um, since I came back to MLC I've been reading a lot of other stuff so I haven't had time to read it once a year um, but yeah, I probably read it I would guess either seven or eight times um, and it's just absolutely phenomenal um, it really helps uh, kind of guide how you interact with other people and how you um, like it's at, on the outset it almost feels a little manipulative Hmm. Um, but the more you kind of dive into what he's talking about and what's going on, really what he's doing is he's teaching you how to relate to other people, which is not always something that comes particularly naturally to everybody. Um, And so all of us are kind of given gifts as far as communication goes. And pretty much everybody has some sort of gift. Mm-hmm. Um, he what he does a great job of is taking all those all those gifts and finding a way to implement those into making real connections with real people. And he kind of does it from a sales background, but as somebody is uh, working towards, well, who has been in ministry and is working towards a different ministry, um, it's a really beneficial book. I think that everybody ought to read, and at, actually, it's a required book at MLC too, if mm-hmm. with IPC and things too. So mm-hmm. it's an absolutely phenomenal read. Second one I put on there is *Mere Christianity* by C.S. Lewis. Great book. Uh, there hasn't been a book that I've read that has been more foundational to me, kind of stripping down. Like everybody talks about de, de- or what do they call it? deconstruction these days, right? In the evangelical circles in particular, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a particularly healthy exercise, actually. But what I do think is very healthy is going back to Scripture and saying, "Okay, what does Scripture actually say?" Mm -hmm. What do I really believe? And in his introduction to mere Christianity, he explains why he chose the word mere. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean like simple. It doesn't mean like nothing else but. What it really means, that word mere really means nothing but pure Christianity. And so there's a point where you can even strip away a lot of the theology and just say, all right, what is Christianity at its core based on what the Bible says? And that is what... Mere Christianity is, and then when you start talking, when you add in like Lutheran theology, is a really easy add on to that mm-hmm. uh, that understanding that you had something to say. Well,
1: buddy. I did want to ask a question if you had any uh, any any warnings you'd like to give to uh, the listeners for that. Only because I would just say he does downplay like the significance of the sacraments in that work, and he downplays a number of things that we would count as you know pretty much essential within our theology. Just just to see your opinion but on the matter, I, I would I would argue that he doesn't necessarily
0: downplay it, but he does qualify their absence. Okay. So he, he they those are completely absent in the book. But Mm -hmm. in the first two chapters, he makes very clear why he chooses to keep them completely absent. He does. He also makes very clear that he is a member of the Anglican Church, and he's working very hard to not make that a part of the book, which I think also explains some of their absence, is that he doesn't even want to touch it. Because it was a big Um, controversy with the Anglicanism. it was a massive controversy, even in England at the time. Yes, it was. It was a huge controversy between the Catholics and the Anglicans, and so he just didn't touch it. He wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole because he's talking about quote-unquote mere Christianity which would cover both the Catholics and the Anglicans. Okay,
1: I hear you on that one.
0: That being said, I do think you're right. There should be a little bit of a warning that goes with it Mm -hmm. that says, you know, um, this is not Scripture. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is somebody looking at Scripture and making their own observations about it. Now he's right ninety-seven, I would say percent of the time. Amen to that. And it's absolutely. absolutely worthwhile to read, but it is not inspired scripture, and okay. don't treat it as such. That's the that's the mm-hmm. caveat I was. It's put great out. qualification. Yeah. Um, to and then uh, yeah, for three, I love biographies. I've read more biographies than I could count. As I was trying to make a list, I just kept going and going and going. So I threw a couple down that are my absolute favorites. Um, Don Hoffer, no Don Hoffer. Gosh. <laughs> Bonhoeffer uh, by uh, Eric Metaxas, really anything written by Eric Metaxas. I would put the same qualifications on there. Um, He does not necessarily share our theological underpinnings, but he's a phenomenal researcher and an excellent writer. And you put those two two things together, he paints a wonderful picture of very – eclectic and diverse individuals oh absolutely um, and he, he does a wonderful job of that he also wrote a book recently called a letter to the American Church and I'm I'm soon I'm gonna order it and I'm gonna read it and I think it's gonna be absolutely phenomenal as well uh, but his is his biography of Bonhoeffer Bonhoeffer's theology wasn't quite right absolutely and Metaxas uh, wouldn't quite agree with the Lutheran Church But it's still absolutely worth reading, Uh and every—I mean, it's like 900 pages, and somehow still riveting. Oh, absolutely, I agree with you. Absolutely phenomenal. Second one I put on that list is the Theodore Roosevelt trilogy by Edmund Morris. Um, Again, it's like 14,000 pages or something like that. I mean, I'm not joking; like it is long, but it's great, and it's also a really good audiobook. Um, My Young Life by Winston Churchill. Uh, It's been—he's been (coughs) accused of of uh, embellishing a little bit. Um, but it still is a phenomenal read, especially for a young man. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite moments in that book is when he talks about his own failure to learn classical Greek, and he says (laughs) that only the best and brightest students should be even offered the opportunity to to read classical Greek. Everybody else should just... (laughs) <laughs> bugger off and leave it alone um uh, unbroken by Lori Hildebrand that's that, that came out as a movie as well and then anything written by An- or by David McCulloch is also oh, absolutely, absolutely awesome David so, McCulloch's wonderful yeah I mean I know it's a long list but i I, I love nonfiction I love these books. They are absolutely phenomenal.
1: 1776 and John
4: Adams. That's oh, the two for yeah. y'all. 70, 70, I read wonderful. 1776
0: about a year ago. It's just just absolutely phenomenal. Also, absolutely. Helped really helped me understand um, uh, George Washington quite a bit more.
4: Yeah, so,
1: I agree. His characterization of Washington's wonderful. It'll make you respect the man even if you had yep, questions. Yeah, so. absolutely.
0: All right. Um... I had this a week? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was great, though. Both of those sounded pretty fascinating. I, feel pretty bad, <laughs> I,
4: I will admit, I kind of want to read,
0: I w- read the Beauchamp book. <laughs> it's a good book. Yeah, I believe it's good. I would love to read that. All right. Uh, so this week in church, you will likely hear Exodus 34, verses 5 through 10 and they go as follows then the Lord came down uh, in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name that's Moses um, his name is the Lord so that's the word that often gets translated as Yahweh mm-hmm. and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord the Lord the compassionate and gracious God excuse me <laughs> oh gosh I feel bad burping in the middle of this <laughs> Okay. Keep going? <laughs> <laughs> the Lord the Lord the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished he punishes the children and their children to the sin of the parents to the third for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Lord he said if i have found favor in your eyes let the lord go with us although this is a stiff-necked people forgive our wickedness and our sin and make us your inheritance then the lord said i am making a covenant with you before all your people i will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world the people will live among the, the people you live among will see how awesome the work that i the lord will do for you Um, For a little bit of context, this is immediately after the golden calf. So Moses gets a set of, uh, we're not sure what's on the tablets, but he gets a set of tablets um, with the commandments on them. He walks down the mountain, finds out that they've been worshiping a golden calf, chucks them on the ground, breaks them, fixes everything that's going on, goes back up the hill and gets this. This is the Lord's (laughs) reaction. What you got?
1: uh well i guess i could just start and just say you know when when god says he'll do this work among them that he's never done with any nation for those skeptics today who say if god would just you know perform this outright miracle for you, uh, us today then you know then we then we would totally believe I think yeah. that just goes to show that uh, no we're all a stiff-necked people and we become more and more stiff-necked and even if we saw God do an outright miracle in front of us our hearts are so desperately wicked that we would begin questioning God's power tomorrow um, based on what Israel did shortly thereafter after they even when they had you know the the Holy Spirit there with them um, or I'm sorry the uh, the, uh, the uh, what you really? call the cloud with them when they yeah, were traveling yeah. through the desert and all anyway go ahead.
3: Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. and I mean, like, you you look at this passage and you try to think of a time, like, when... Oh, boy. Hey, uh, close the door, bud. Okay, Sorry. well, the host of this podcast is a moron, so don't worry about this. Uh, <clears throat> no, so, you think about times in the world where... Or times in our lives where it's like, man, I wish God would just come down here and, like... Like be with me like physically in this moment kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know, where it's like you would you would you would imagine that his presence would make whatever situation you're in it better. Yes. Right? And I, I'm sure it would, like realistically speaking, you know, like but he is here with us. We just don't see him. Absolutely. And you think about the Israelites at this time, and here they are, like the the glory of the Lord is just around them and just comes off the mountain. Absolutely. Like what does that even look like? And yet they still continue to fall into sin. You know, yes. they still continue to uh, <clears throat> not believe and just not listen to his covenants, even though he's clearly shown his power and his. I mean, I love how it says "awesome" in this yes. passage. You know, this is one of the few times in any kind of literature that you read the word "awesome" and it's not like in reference to just <laughs> a modern, ter- like in the modern sense of "oh, that's yeah. awesome." You no. know, what I mean, it's like it's legitimately there awe. was awe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, Connor. What do
2: you think, buddy? Well, I was reading this, and I I think about how how Moses, how (laughs) Moses is addressing the Lord here. Yeah, and you know, he says, you know, that we found that I have found favor in your eyes, and that the Lord will go with us. And he he even quantifies it by saying, although this is a stiff-necked people, you're still forgiving us, regardless of that. Amen. And I feel like in verse ten. The Lord doesn't even, like, address that. He He's very well aware of the fact that this is a stiff-necked people. Like, like, he does not need to be reminded by Moses. And despite all that, he still looks at these people, these sinful people, that despite being saved and being brought out of Egypt, despite all the miracles that they've experienced already, they're still complaining. They're still not willing to fully submit themselves to the Lord. The Lord says, look, I'm choosing you people... And I'm going to use your people to do things not just for your people, but for the entire world. And the impact you guys are going to have, you can't even begin to realize. And you're going to run away from me over and over and over again. And I'm still going to use you to accomplish my task.
3: Well, Amen. and for us living in a time where we don't get to see uh, God perform these kinds of acts, like right. in mm-hmm. a literal sense, like yeah. that's what this is recorded. For. This is recorded yeah. for us in our time. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: It, because, seems, it seems crazy to think yeah. that, like, literally, like. They have a very evident and visible representation of the Lord being among them.
0: Mm-hmm. And yet they're worshiping a golden calf. Exactly.
2: Absolutely. Like right. they're sitting there next to the mountain going like, yep, there's Moses up there with the Lord. Look at that shiny thing Less over there. Less than a month later. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. And that can bring a lot of comfort to people that are getting discouraged when they look at the state Absolutely. of the church today. Yeah. And the nominalism Absolutely. in our pews and the things like that. Like, hey, even when God was right there with them, visibly mm-hmm. present yeah. In, yeah. in certain forms or others, yeah. they were doing just the same thing. Well so
3: yeah and you think about it too like passages like in verse which one am I looking at here uh the the verse 7 right with the what God does to wickedness right like mm-hmm. that just magnifies the importance of our savior like Amen. we are we are Jesus believe, like we are living in the new new uh new testament right mm-hmm. and so because of that we read verses like this and we don't have to fear we don't have to be like wow my parents
0: did this horrible thing I'm going to be punished for it
2: now. right yeah yes
0: so what often comes up when you look at a portion of scripture like this is the question, how can a loving God send people who don't know him to hell, right? If I've never heard the gospel message or like people will bring up like the, you know, the pygmies out in uh, New, Guinea. Uh, yeah, in New <laughs> Guinea or different, like different tribes that are, haven't been discovered yet because there yeah. are still people that haven't been discovered right. yet, right? What about those people? How can a loving God send them to hell? <clears throat> it's such a hard question. It is well, a very turn the question, question
3: around: How can a person who knows that there's a way to not go to hell not believe in God?
1: Oh, but, uh, well, I, but I, they no, don't I, that, necessarily I, I, know that. Well, that's a good right. question, and I that's yeah, that's the I'm, essence see, of his questions here. It. Is what we would say, well, those who never hear—that's where that you know the sense of unjustness but comes into God. Is there such a thing
0: as, as somebody that that quote unquote never got a chance to hear the gospel? Mm-hmm. From the perspective of you look at a generational. Relationship, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, if you trace everybody back, so scientists have literally traced it back. They've got approximately four sets of DNA that they think the whole world came out of, and they can't get past those four sets of DNA. And as Christians, we look at that and we go, oh, "Well, that's Moan yep. Moses, not Moses, Noah, Noah, and his three <laughs> sons, right?" And mm-hmm. and you know that's not that's not hard and fast science and it's not hard and fast evidence of the flood mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not pretending it is but we look at that as christians and we recognize all right this is this is some evidence for um the story that we have here in scripture well, and, yeah. and, and we believe and we then,
3: believe it's inerrant right. truth right Absolutely. and that's the that's the we, do it's we go in with that so
0: then you have from there, generation after generation after generation eventually you get to Babel, right? Mm-hmm. Where they still know God, but they choose to live in defiance to God. He scrambles their languages, and now they spread across the world. That means that there's nobody, if you go far enough back in their family tree, there is no one whose ancestors did not at some point know the true and living God. And it means at some point, somebody in their family tree had to reject God mm-hmm. and choose not yeah. to live according to the word. And so... So God punishes them for to the third and fourth generations of those who hate him. Mm-hmm. Right? And it might seem unfair, especially to Americans, yes, this absolutely. idea of oh, sure. like um, they didn't get a chance. Mm-hmm. But the reality is you can blame their parents and their parents and their parents for generations unnumbered mm-hmm. who rejected God and chose not to follow the one true God and instead um, to chase after worldly things, and that's where they are now.
1: Right, We would say the law of God's written on everyone's heart. Mm-hmm. They engage in things that we know are manifestly sin and things that they can even know in mm-hmm. some sense or other are right and wrong. And even though we would say it does, I mean, from a, a human standpoint, it does seem unjust if someone has never heard the gospel articulated, mm-hmm. for them never really having a chance to believe that gospel for them to go to hell. But ultimately we can say, does God owe it to man To save them on the one hand, if we're just saying this ultimate righteous God who doesn't really owe us anything as human beings, and that's something very hard to acknowledge. But we also know that in the gospel, in what God did in the incarnation in Christ, he paid for the sins of the whole world he desires the whole world to be saved And he says how can we believe on who we have not heard how can we hear without a preacher we should use that as an impetus or an inspiration to say that we need to make sure to get out here and preach that gospel to every man every tribe every nation every tongue. and so so we could just take it as that i'm just saying i don't i mean it, it does from a human standpoint it does seem unjust but from the standpoint of the creator over his creation Ultimately, it's not. And I, I would go along with Charlie's argument there. I think that makes a lot of yeah. sense in the sense that they are they are guilty, in a sense, for what their parents have done. And we have to just accept that God's just in that. And
0: what wonderful, beautiful grace that the next line is, and um, yet he does not... Yeah, he um, does
3: not leave the guilty on un- which part are you talking wait, about? Wait, hold on, sorry. Yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> not, Slow to that's anger, not abounding. <laughs> oh, sorry, the
0: verse before <laughs> it, not after it. My bad. Uh, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Absolutely. So the moment you do love him, Mm-hmm. you get all the blessings it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your ancestors looked like it doesn't matter that for generation after generation they've rejected God the moment you do know the mm-hmm. Lord then he provides that love and faithfulness but you cannot um, ascribe the benefits of being a Christian and the merits of being a Christian to someone who is not
3: yeah and I just wanted to kind of go back to that question where people ask like oh well what about the people who can't hear Scripture right yeah I, I, I would say that I mean yeah that's a question that among Christian circles like that that comes up like people Absolutely. people are like what do we do and and for us, that's like motivation for us to go out and spread the word, right? Absolutely. But, I mean, then, like you think about it, in today's society, who who normally are the ones on the platforms asking those questions? They're generally people who are, like, rejecting God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like you're having people who who are actively acting against what God is, what re, uh, Christianity Mm -hmm. Right. Asking, well, what about the people that you can't reach? Well, that's our goal. We're trying to reach them. That's what we're trying to do. You're right. Like, what about it? Like, that is alarming to think Mm -hmm. that they won't know, have the opportunity to know God. And that's why we should be actively like zealous and trying to get that information to them to share the gospel with Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. And hey, they more, don't understand that. Those people don't. that ask that question don't understand that that that's that's the point. We're sent out to make disciples of all nations, you know. Amen. Uh, what you got? I'm going
2: to do something I'm probably vastly unqualified to do. I'm <laughs> going to Bring a bit of the Hebrew into this. Oh, here we go. Hey-oh! <laughs> oh, I didn't even bother with that. All so, right, here we go. If we, if we look at verse seven here at the beginning of it, I'm not going to read let me it, pull it up Bible Hub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not going to read this because Professor Poshen will definitely grade no, me on this. It. But um, read it, read it, read, so read in it. verse seven, the verb that's used there for we read it as maintaining, like that's what most of the translations have. And that verb there, when I looked into it a little bit further, was this idea of like guarding it, like keeping it. And so like this faithful love, this undeserved love that God's going to use the Israelite people for, he's jealously guarding it and keeping it. So mm-hmm. it's not like, mm-hmm. it's not like something that, that can be taken away from, from the Israelite people. And and to further that, it's not like something that can be taken away from us. That, that love that God has given us is not something that can be just ripped out of our hands by some outside force. The Lord is actively guarding and protecting this love to us. And I think that's more than anything something that we can grab hold of, that even in the darkest moments of our lives, even in the moments where we don't feel God present in our life, he has still got his hand around our hand, and he's guiding us through the rest of our lives. Amen. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, to put it in even in starker perspective, mm. it's the exact same word that's used throughout the Psalms Anytime that um, David is talking about God preserving him and protecting him is that exact yeah. same yeah. word. Yeah. That's
3: some comfort right there. Holy, I mean, holy. Absolutely. There's yeah. our
2: there's our one year further education. <laughs> <for you. laughs> so basically
0: just how to use the uh, indexes and the uh, other Bible resources yeah. <laughs> no. I don't know. yeah all the concordances
4: yeah
3: yeah I think uh, some just throw out there as we wrap this up I mean if if you're like regardless huh, whoever you are like if you're a part of a church body and in particular ours like look into the world missions that we're encouraging mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. learn about what we're trying to do and even to that extent I think the big Thing that's going to be like for our future as like guys who are going to be in this modern world of preaching. Like it's going to be figuring out how to actually, uh, man, what's what's the evangelize to the American people at this mm-hmm. point? Yeah. Because I mean, for such a long time, I mean, I I think you could safely say that America was predominantly Christian. Well, yes, we were could. spoiled with the gospel. Well, in our yeah. Supposedly, history. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, but nominally, in, and here we are now right we're on the back turn of that like it's it's flipping upside down and sideways everybody's all sorts of mixed around mm-hmm. and so learning how to actually share god's word with people here in in our homeland in america is going to be probably the bit, the toughest project mm-hmm. uh, uh, for our future and thankfully we're not the ones that have to try and make sure that everybody has faith, right? Yeah, you know, right. God does yeah. that. Absolutely. God is active. And, and
0: on to that end, you look at verse 10, uh, We talks about a covenant, and a covenant goes two directions. That's what a covenant is. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'll do for you and you'll do for me in return. And the only thing on our side of this covenant with God, he gives us everything. He gives us salvation. Mm-hmm. He gives us everything that we need for body and life. All these promises, the only thing on the other end is simply be faithful absolutely Mm -hmm. right simply be faithful know me love me pursue me be faithful
2: and how and how beautifully does the gospel tell us that this old covenant is done and paid for Mm -hmm. and the new covenant that we're involved in we're it's not that it's not that we're not responsible as christians it's not that we shouldn't try to live our lives as christ-like as possible but we kind of have that same deal with our savior like he's Done everything for us, absolutely. Yeah. Like we get out the joy of, of this. Joy,
3: yeah, out of utmost joy, mm-hmm. should we be offering this love to everyone in our lives?
0: Amen. All st- right. No, I just looked at the clock. We're at an hour and thirty-eight minutes. That's awesome. <laughs> Welcome to the special edition of After. <laughs> 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 it's almost as long as like the, the
1: holiday podcast. Oh <laughs> my gosh!
2: Yeah,
0: much <laughs> oh more, gosh. much more We've beneficial. We've having too much fun.
4: <laughs> well, hey, All Zach, right, you got? Yeah. You got anything, anything you, else to throw on well, there? Oh, what do, you do I have
1: anything else? No, I think I've uh, I've said enough for the evening. <laughs> so, but right, I right now, sincerely appreciate the opportunity we, to be here.
0: You're drinking that uh, Shiner Chocolate Raspberry. I am. What do you think Ooh, of that? that? I, I am shocked
1: that. by how smooth this is, even though it's got a really thick body and it's got a really good taste. That's it's I really say. thick
0: and it's really sweet. And I don't usually like like fruity beers. Yep. But that was darn good.
1: It's yeah. I would say it's one of the better chocolate. Uh, chocolate porters I've had it's excellent excellent awesome
0: all right well on that note gentlemen We love you all. We pray for you continually. Well, we try to pray for you continually. We're not like Paul. We can't quite do that. <laughs> but uh, we certainly pray for you quite a bit. Uh, we love you all. Make sure you reach out to us if you got questions or anything. And yeah, we uh, love to answer next week. Yeah, absolutely. God bless you all. Uh, remember her Wait, Hold on. What am I saying? Shoot. This is your be, the man. be the it's man. It's my podcast that I can't even remember. <laughs> right, be the man. Be the man God created you to be. We'll see you next time. God bless you all. Have a good night. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, editing, and distributing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you'd like to contact us with comments, questions, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at any of the links in the description below or on our website. Please consider supporting the work of Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping at our online store, or making a $5 cup of coffee donation at www.girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure you like, friend, follow, and subscribe to Gird Up and all of our guests on your social media platforms, and consider leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the Gird Up podcast so that others can find us and be blessed by our content too. As always, thanks for listening. Now go and be the man that guy created you to be. We'll see you next time.